Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. We're back, baby. Friday, July 8th, 2022. And this right here, your double vax, double award winning Morning Combat, the best damn sports lifestyle combat podcast that they've ever made right here right now two old dads trying to mind their way through the wilderness of life age six days in vegas maybe a couple covid positives but we're back at it i'm bbc with that bde you know me by a few of my nicknames the brian campbell right here i'm gonna man this show today i'm, I'm the ones and twos friday is yes for the art but while you stay for me you cometh for that man next to me, 100,000 YouTube subscribers could not be wrong, okay? He is the backbone of our success here. He is Luke Thomas. Luke, how the hell is your physical recovery from um, Pretty- Sin City? Oh, it's 154K, just to be very clear. But uh, turns oh, my no, physical health. Ca- but who's counting, Luke? Who's right? counting? Yeah. I mean, who's, who's doing the numbers here? But what I, what I would say is uh, I feel much better today. I never felt all that bad in terms of like cold symptoms, little cough, little sniffle, nothing bad at all. It was just that yesterday I was dog tired. Yes. And on top of that, I was I never caught up from when I got home from Vegas because I can't sleep in Vegas. I can't sleep in hotels anymore. My whole shit's messed up. So I just rolled into that. And yesterday I just decided to just sleep all day. My wife actually demanded that I sleep as well. So uh but See, I now this, all today, yesterday, I feel great. everybody I feel demanded great. that i not sleep you know we had we had opposite situations going on yes all right but in general i got a little bit of cough left but i feel i feel pretty good i feel pretty good how about you i am technically uh covid negative but positive for just being an absolute old piece of shit who can't recover from six days on the road so uh my symptoms are getting better though we're gonna make it through this show together okay as the uh, like like we do all right a uh, thumbs up on this show this video please subscribe to what we're doing on youtube i mean look it's special right they give us awards for this shit because you people are so vibrant viral uh rabid all right and we thank you for that uh right there you can also go to youtube.com slash morning combat get all of our bonus stuff the best interviews i mean look that high court it's high comedy at the very least right yeah, yeah, I, I do agree with some of the criticisms. We actually could do a bit of a better job debating. We, we kind of put an artificial time limit on it. I think we should try it again, hit a bong first, and then do the debating, but actually have like a long, drawn-out debate. It could work. It could work, BC. All right, all right. I did get, uh, ch- I, I popped for Chuck Mindenhall's Merkin joke about his uh, pubic wig. Uh, you know, he worked that in there underneath the radar. I didn't see that one coming, but uh, a lot of great one-liners on that shit. So thank you very much for the support. Obviously, you know about our merch store. Look at this shirt right here. I mean, look how good this looks on my uh, decrepit body here. Morningcombat.store, not only 
Do we have the best merch in the world? Arguably the best merch master in RJ uh, Dunkelcrack. But he's going to give you, the consumer, the viewer, right now, through Monday. How about this weekend special? 20 percent off we're going to debut a big time new shirt on monday folks so wait for that but this weekend the already existing thing we're not just trying to get rid of the stuff that doesn't sell <clears throat> this is a quarterly gift to you folks go on morningcombat.store 20 percent off right now uh a lot of seasons a lot, a lot of shit to wear for that so uh get on board enjoy that whether you like luke's deadhead or my factory town mma line a lot of good shit there tank top season also ahead of us. Uh, Showtime, you know about that label that does pay us. The only place to catch Bellator MMA. How about this Saturday night? Showtime Championship Boxing from San Antonio, which is going to have a nice little special surprise we'll get to in a minute. But go to Showtime.com right now if you don't already have it. Get your 30 days free. Tell them BC sent you. And Luke, speaking of uh, Saturday's triple header, headlined by uh, WBC featherweight champion Mark Magsayo in a very entertaining fight. Uh, how about you and I on the um, preliminary card? Do you want to reveal that, Luke? Um, yeah, I guess you and I are going to do like a, what would you call it? Like a fight uh, companion? A, a wa uh, maybe watch party, live fight yeah. companion. You're going to get, so here's the deal. There's going to be two untelevised streaming fights before the main card. I believe, what was it, 545-ish p.m. Eastern start? Is that true, That's right. Luke? Yeah, it's about right. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find it on Showtime Sports and Showtime Boxing's YouTube channel, Facebook, wherever you can find that stuff. Luke and I watching the fights, breaking it down, entertaining you. Uh, it's a little experiment that we're that we're working on slowly, Luke. We're get, we're, we're we're tinkering with it, but don't forget to check that out. Only, of course, on Showtime, so get your thirty days free. But Luke, we got one thing to bring back to the people. So much of our success is because of them. In fact, Luke, today. Only two people were able to realize this, you and former producer Al Wendling, that today is the three-year anniversary of the launch of this here Morning Combat. It truly is. Oh, I just got a tweet from the legend himself, Steve Farhood, congratulating you and I. So nothing makes it more official than getting a uh, shout-out from someone we respect so much like that. But, dude, I didn't even realize it today until one of our the former employees who worked on the show had mentioned it on Twitter or uh, excuse me, on Instagram, uh, Al Wendling, shots to her. And, uh, dude, what a great anniversary. What a great little surprise. Yes, you and I look like we've been beaten with, uh, you know, leather straps and belt buckles, and we look like, you know, fart sacks full of doorknobs, but <laughs> and we're full of communicable diseases that we have yes. taken True. across the country. True. But but that aside, I have to say, I dude, I love this little thing that we have. I, I am so grateful for everyone on staff. I'm grateful, obviously, for you as well. And um, and I'm grateful for the fans. This is a, this is a nice thing we have going here. It really is. Hopefully, I don't ruin it today by getting drunk on air and drinking margaritas and trying to uh, digitally hump you in front of the audience. I promise not to do that. Okay? <laughs> it was a nice response though from the. I thought you were amazing, maybe too far, but amazingly humble and honest, and I appreciate it. But a lot of people saying, Luke, don't change for us. Be that motherfucker. Be that old. Well, see, bag. I thought about this. So I thought about that. Do you agree with this? If we had done a more formal show up front for longer, which, by the way, you stressed to me that we should do, our producer Mikey stressed to me to do, and I just completely fucking ignored it. But let's assume for a second we had done 45 minutes or more of a regular show, and then we slowly descended into chaos, yes. and then I peeked at, you know, Frank the Tank. I don't think people would have cared. No. The problem was no. there was no foreplay. It was zero to well, 60. 
the problem, because, you know, I did get some flack of saying, wow, switch of role reversal here. BC playing the, the wet blanket trying to bring the show down. If he would have just been funny, that show would have worked. Luke, I could have dealt with Frank the Tank if we could have heard each other and yeah. the audience could have heard us. Look, we can... MK has a history of making shit sandwiches that are edible out of shit, plain shit, okay? So we could have done that. We had some hiccups. We'll be better from it. But, Luke, here's the deal. Maybe this will trigger another live show. Maybe I go back to the bosses at CBS Sports because we got another opportunity for our listeners. Luke, there's a, um, a yes, group, a well-respected group called the People's Choice Podcast Awards. You may remember last year we got at Morning Combat got nominated for best sports podcast and best male hosted podcast, both of which we didn't win, but we did get named to their list of 2021 listener influencers of the year. We've got that trophy in our Jersey City bomb shelter, but we're back, baby, and so are they. So, Luke, for 2022, Morning Combat right here have been nominated. The same two categories again, best sports podcast and best male hosted podcast. So here's what we need you to do. We always appreciate you guys. You guys got us to where we are here today because of your support, your rabid energy that we talked about. If you want to see another live show, maybe, I don't know, UFC at, at, at in NYC, at MSG, maybe, maybe something around there this fall, November, we'll see. But here's how we have to get there. To advance to the final round here, we need you to nominate us. Go to podcast awards slash app, which is APP, slash sign up. I know that sounds like a mouthful, but Luke, I went through the exercise this morning. It's really not that hard. It takes 60 seconds. We need you to go to podcast awards slash app slash sign up. Hit the sports category, toggle down, light up morning combat if you believe in us. And we've even included the link that I'm talking about here at the top of the episode description on YouTube. So Luke, you already know what to tell the people to do. Go vote. Like the Democrats, <laughs> go vote, right? That's all we have to say left. Go vote. Uh, but seriously, Voter you guys, well, these, these, the, well, it, it, the, the reality is this, like voting on these things, our bosses pay attention to it. They pay attention to it. Yeah. And so when it's you guys fulfill it. as shit, Luke, but it works, okay? Yeah, like it's not going to change the way we program. It's not going to change the way we do the show. It doesn't mean anything in that sense. But in terms of what the up the upper management thinks about what they can do with the show or what things we can like pull from what concessions we can get, it actually really matters quite a bit. So obviously it's nice to be nominated. Thank you for um, the awards for for nominating us. But the next step is let's let's go win one and let's see what we can get from it. Yeah, absolutely. And I forgot the name of that fellow from India, Luke, your home country. It was Arun. That came Arun. all the way to Vegas last time to say hi. Can't wait to meet. Whatever, wherever our next live show brings us, can't wait to continue to meet our weird uh, and amazing uh, people that back us. But, Luke, that's about all I got unless I'm missing something here. You want me to sell anything, Luke? No, just one more time. Cool little anniversary. Snuck up on us. I'm glad it kind of snuck up on us in this way rather than making a bigger deal better than it is. But one more time for everybody. Thanks. This is great. I love this job, and I'm lucky to be here. And uh, let's have a good show. Luke, three years ago, I, I, I flew on a late Sunday night red-eye. I believe I had some flight troubles to get into Jersey City. We did our first episode in that bomb shelter that they put together in about 10 minutes. Do you remember what flight card we were coming off of? It was, it was an international flight week. I, I believe was it? it was Jones Reyes. 
if memory no, serves. No, no, Jones, no, no, no. Jones Mahetta. That's right. Jones Mahetta. That's it. Jones Mahetta. It was a John Jones fight. I remembered that. That's it. Yeah, yeah, indeed. All right. Uh, also, Luke, before we get into the first topic, I got to shout out one of my favorite legends, the 82-year-old now behind us, R.I.P. to James Kahn, the all-time great actor. Luke, I mean, what... I mean, you know, whether you like Elf and Misery of his more contemporary stuff or whether you like the damn Godfather or the Thief or the Gambler. Dude, this guy was as cool as, as shit gets, Luke. Would you agree? Dude, he had legendary roles in some of the most important movies ever made. His career spanned from the 60s to the 70s to the 80s to the 90s. And even after that, he had meaningful roles. Yes, he kind of had a certain bravado, but... He played a character in a lot of different movies, like from Elf, as you mentioned, to Godfather. Dude, it's even funny. Like, I was just like, you know, just trying to kill time yesterday, recovering on the couch watching Netflix, and I watched The Eraser with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Not the best movie, but James Caan was in it. I was like, dude, this guy was relevant for decades in this industry, yes. making yes. crazy big films all along the way. Incredible career. Rest in peace, to we, we throw around the word legend a lot. No, that dude's a legend, for real. No, that dude is a legend. He did a really good interview with Mark Marin of the WTF podcast like a year ago, Luke. Just some, summing up his whole career. Check it out. Also, 1974's The Gambler. That might be my favorite role of him. Uh, incredibly weird and, and, and violent movie. <laughs> Check that out. Thank you, James Conn. All right, Luke. Also, uh, RIP Boris Johnson's political career. But I don't think you have thoughts about that. Or at least no one wants to no, hear No, I don't care. I don't really okay, care. thank you very much. All right. Uh, 16 minutes of filibuster later. We're back to start the show off the top. And, Luke, let's get it said. It's a quiet but but still powerful combat sports weekend, especially coming off the hangover from International Fight Week a week ago. UFC, Vegas, 58, Fight Night, Apex, whatever the hell you want to call it. How about this for a lightweight main event on Saturday night? We hit you with the storylines on Wednesday. Today we talk about what the hell is this going to look like. Rafael Dos Anjos, the former champion, Two-fight win streak back at 155, making this weight cut work in his late 30s, still viable as shit. And he's taking on that freight train that is a five-fight winning streak. Rafael Fiziev, the Kazakh Thunder, Luke. Um, I said on Wednesday, I expect two things. All action and a lot of violence if this goes the full five rounds. I watched fights from both of them this morning, Luke, because of how much you and Dominic Cruz you know, really implore. That, that, that tape watching is essential to this job, Luke. All right, I'm coming around. All right, you, you old piece of... All right. Uh, Luke, when you look at this matchup, what, besides age and experience, what really separates these two? Well, first things first, is he Kazakh? I thought he was Kyrgyzstani slash Azerbaijani. Uh, I thought he was born in, in, in Kazakhstan. Did I, you know he, what I mean? He Luke, might have I, been. I can't, you know, I can't keep up with his name. I he know was, he has... Yeah, yeah, he was. I know he has represented Kyrgyzstan and... Um, and Azerbaijan to an extent. Okay, but the his question mother, you have... Let me tell you, his mother was Russian. His father was Azerbaijani. He grew yeah. up in Kyrgyzstan, but he was born in Kazakhstan. So, look, he's got all the bases covered for that yeah. Russian hammer shit that we talk about. You know it's what I'm like saying? It's like me like, and you. Like, my mom was born in Syria, raised in Lebanon. My dad's American, and yet somehow you think I'm Indian. <laughs> It all works out. It all works out the same. It ha 1979. It happened, Luke. You were you were in the city limits. All right, it happened. It, okay, it did happen. It did happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, I got to tell you, like I rewatched Dos Anjos's two wins that he had since moving back to lightweight. One against Paul Felder, who should be noted, came in on five days' notice. Now he was training for an ultra marathon or a marathon, whatever he was doing, an Ironman triathlon, I believe. Um, and so he was in good physical condition, but who knows about his timing and his prep and everything else. 
And it still went to a split decision, although it seemed to me that Dos Anjos was the one that was the clear winner there. And then, of course, against Hanato Moicano, who I believe also was coming in on short notice and was abused in that fight. Probably should oh, have yeah. been stopped a lot earlier. But the thing that really stuck out to me, and then the stats sort of show this, is Dos Anjos' striking is sort of, I guess, more of what he is known for these days. But really what seals everything together is his wrestling. Um, he uses it to break up rhythms. He uses it to slow down fights. He uses it to wear down opponents. It has a real utility. It doesn't mean he doesn't strike. He actually does a fair bit of it, a lot in the pocket. Sometimes, and I, I would say in general, got the better of Moicano and got the better of Felder uh, through the course of those fights. But it's all aided and glued together by the wrestling breaks, whether they're successful or not, that he gets and then the top control subsequently. This is, to me, the central tension in this fight. I probably believe that Fiziev, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, is an overall better, more dynamic striker. He tends to get hit a little bit more, but lands a lot more than Dos Anjos. Dos Anjos is about 3.6 strikes landed per minute, 3.24 absorbed. Fairly equal, but a slightly positive differential. 5.53 landed for Fiziev, which is high, but he absorbs 5.5. So he trades a lot more. He gets hit a lot more. The thing that hinges on me for on this fight to me is takedowns. Dos Anjos is about two takedowns per 15 minutes, right? That's that's about what you're going to get with him. Not quite, but almost one around. The takedown defense for Fazeev is 95%. Damn. 95%. He has very good takedown defense. And not just good takedown defense, BC, the ability to create separation. Yes. Now, I'm not going to say here on this show to you that Dos Anjos can't win if he doesn't get the takedown. But what I am going to say is, if he doesn't get the takedown, the path to victory becomes significantly harder to come by. Yeah, it becomes violent as shit too, Luke, having to walk through those uh, standing elbows and those hard-ass kicks. Luke, re-watching Fiziev, uh, his destruction of Brad Riddell this morning, as I did, third-round finish, I thought I saw more poise out of him than before. You broke down the statistics... Maybe he was known for getting hit a lot, and he did get hit once they, they both really started to open up and trade 50-50. But for a lot of that fight, I do like the evolution that we're starting to see out of Fiziev, Fiziev however I'm going with this. Um, there was more more poise and setup, but Luke, everything this, this brick shithouse throws is heavy. And his kicks were, I mean, you could watch them. They were moving Riddell. And, of course, you know, that fight changed significantly after he was able to cut Riddell with that lead elbow. But this guy is crazy dangerous. And your point about the takedown defense, anytime Riddell shot, Fazeev was was standing him up and just stuffing the shit out of it. This is a young lion coming on. Can RDA use the experience at 37 to create the separation between them? I, I, I don't think you're wrong. It may come down to can he take this fight off the feet because... You go 25 minutes with a hammer like this, even if you're getting off, you're going to have to uh, absorb a shit ton because inevitably, Fazeev's going to stand in front of you and both of you are just going to trade on even terms. And I don't know if I like my chances if I'm RDA in that. You know what I'm saying? To go to go a full-on war with him. He's going to have to be crafty. He's going to have to set traps. He's going to have to do a lot. Do you think there's any element, you mentioned it, with the situation in Felder, Moicano also took that fight last minute and was maybe too brave for his own good. Is there any kind of fool's gold right now for RDA at 37 where we are overly propping him up as a, you know, maybe possible title contender with a big win here? He does tend, I mean, look, historically, he tends to lose a couple, 
then maybe when your opinion starts to change, man, does he come back strong with a couple wins. Has this two-fight win streak, it, it, does it live up to where he's actually at physically in your eyes? Uh, again, because you had two short-notice opponents, it's hard to really know. And, he, and again, they're not scrubs. I mean, Paul Felder was very good when he fought, and Moicano's very good. So there is still value to them. I kind of liken it, and when I first say it, it won't make sense, so let me explain. But I kind of liken it to Aldo's move to bantamweight. Now, the reason why that wouldn't make sense is because, hello, RDA was champion at this weight class. This is not a weight class that is unfamiliar to him. It is perhaps his best and most familiar weight class. But what I mean is, when Aldo went from featherweight to bantamweight, forget about the weight-cutting issues. He appears to have those all worked out, no problem. It did kind of rejuvenate his career a little bit, but if you notice who he's beating and who he's losing to, it didn't meaningfully change his fortunes from what he was experiencing at the end of his run at 145. <coughs> he could still beat good guys, but he couldn't beat Volkanovski and he couldn't beat Holloway, and so he decided to move. And, and going to 135 has been like, wow, look how competitive Aldo still is late, but he, he didn't beat a similar level of guys at Bantamweight. It wasn't that, that he went down there and it changed the kind of fighter he was able to beat in terms of their overall ranking or divisional significance. I wonder if this return to lightweight, while in the sense of like Aldo, it's not the same because he has been here before. Listen, you go watch those fights. He looked good in them. He made good decisions. His wrestling was on point. His striking was, for the most part, on point. These were very veteran, clear performances in my mind, but it's not like he went down there and beat someone he couldn't beat before. Uh, as far as quality as those guys are. So in that sense, I do think there's a little bit of a similarity to Aldo to Bantamweight, however uh, meaningful the differences are in conjunction with it. And so in that sense, did he look poor? Did he get a gifted win? Did he show you some kind of red flag? No, absolutely not. He looked dialed in. He looked like his weight was on point. His training was on point. Remember, we're not talking about a BC. He moved back to Brazil recently. He's with Nova Uniao. He had been in the United States for a long time. And so... <coughs> pardon me he believes he's refreshed and that this has contributed to a lot of what has happened i take that seriously but until he beats someone like this right yeah. who is young who's got great takedown defense who's not coming in on short notice we can't really say a whole lot about this move back to lightweight for rda yeah, I mean, his, his career has been a constant state of reinvention. I mean, that that's part of what makes him so dynamic historically, along with, of course, being an ex-champion and having always fought the best. I mean, his resume, we've, we've, we've shouted it out before, both wins and losses are a freaking who's who. And look, maybe my favorite reinvention was, you know, he brought a five-fight win streak RDA into that 2014 bout with Habib. And look, he got absolutely dominated. And then he bounced directly out of that three months later. Stops Jason High, stops Benson Henderson, takes decisions from Nate Diaz and Anthony Pettis, and then stops Cowboy Cerrone for a second win over the fellow legend. I mean, you know, then has those two losses in which he loses the title, but comes right back, moves up to welterweight, and gets three straight big wins, Safadine, Magny, and Lawler. So it's, it, it's, it's what he does. I think I saw enough against Moicano to show you that I mean, it's still in there, Luke. It might be a little bit of fool's gold for the circumstances of those two fights. But just, what, six years ago, he said, you know, trying to make weight for the title loss to, to, to uh, Eddie Alvarez and, of course, the dominant loss to Tony Ferguson, which followed. I mean, he almost died. So to see him, you know, find the right science and, 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 and safe way to cut that 
and be back in this spot. I mean, damn, is it a shout-out to who he is, what he's made of. But damn, watching the tape of this five-fight win streak for Fazeev, it's like there's nothing easy about this challenge at all. But, mm -hmm. Luke, Vegas certainly respects the the legend. Our, our friends at Caesar, minus 220 for the younger Fazeev, but plus 180 for RDA. So we know what this is about. All right. Five rounds, it's going to explain a lot, and it should explain a lot, because if this is Fazeev beating a legend here, a former champ, he's going to skyrocket into the top five. He's going to have a six-fight win streak. You should have to go through somebody this tough over five rounds. Um, Luke, if this is a, a stand-up fight, if RDA cannot secure the takedown, which you said was key to what he does, does it become a war of tradition, or do you still think RDA has a savvy in terms of how he sets up his strikes that there's a chance he can control this fight without it becoming a war against somebody this explosive. Yeah, I don't think it'd be a war of tradition, although there might be some of that as well. But um, Did you say tra a attrition or tradition, Luke? Yeah, probably both. But here, here's what I would say. Again, I, I just think the takedown's crucial here. It doesn't like he, it's not like he has to get it like Habib, where you know you can only fight in the feet for a minute. No, no, I don't mean that. But like, if he's struggling to get it, or I would say this too, BC. Pay attention to not even necessarily getting the takedown, but <coughs> as we cough our way through the show like two professionals. I mean, we are just just decrepit right now. This is uh, not, it's, path it's pathetic. Know, our yeah. health is pathetic. It really is. But uh, again, to answer the question, if he can also tangle up Fazeev along the fence line and make him work for a minute or two, that also could be impactful. Now, that's not as valuable, obviously, as getting the takedown than holding it. Not even close. But it does carry some utility, I wonder. The thing for me with Fazeev, he has so many weapons. RDA is good on the feet as a southpaw. He's got a rangy left hand. Obviously, we know about his kicks on the left side. They're brutal, and he puts them all together. But Fazeev, while he does accept a little bit more of a dangerous situation at times, much more powerful. And the, Although RDA is powerful with his kicks, but much more powerful, I'd say, with Fazeev's boxing. Dude, much more, frankly, in that space, athletic, much more explosive quick like he can just do a lot there i don't know how rda is going to hold up to that but again it's to what extent can rda mix in either takedowns and or other forms of wrestling entanglement that could give fazeev problems slow him down i just think if you let fazeev have a kickboxing match with you in four ounce gloves it's going to be very hard to win but if yes. you can slow him down make him work press him up against the fence just find a way to slow down the fight so that your offense can come much more naturally behind it. That is a very winnable path. I do believe that. It's just a really open question if he's going to be able to do that. So I guess we're going to have to see. This is a real test, as you put it, real test of who RDA is at 37, back at 155, back at home in Brazil. I'm curious. Dude, they are going to leg strike the shit out of each other in the first two rounds here, Luke. This is going to be brutal. Can we say something, too, about RDA? Like... I know he lost that Tony Ferguson fight, and, and you know Tony's not, I think, in the same level of um, resiliency this late in his career, although uh, RDA's a little bit younger. But RDA lost to peak Tony Ferguson. In fact, if you look at Ferguson's resume, that might be Ferguson's best win. I take that one very seriously. If you don't remember it, and I'm not saying you, I mean the proverbial you out there, that was in Mexico City, and that was the main event. They fought five rounds at more than 7,000 feet elevation. That's crazy. And look at the pace they kept. It was bonkers. Like, Tony Ferguson was so hard to beat. 
when they fought in that moment in time. And so RDA losing to him, I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything. Obviously, he wasn't the better guy that night. But that's somewhat forgivable given the circumstances. And what I will say is, dude, for all of the tough fights that RDA has been in, like, just go back to his Kamaru Usman fight. Usman landed over 10 takedowns and over 100 significant strikes, some absurd level of dominance. And his level, RDA's level, BC, would you agree? His level of durability is legendary. And I'd add one more note. Everyone pinpoints it. RDA is the guy who, oh, you know what? When USADA comes around, his physique is going to change, and he's going to pop. Bitches, not one thing changed about it. Nothing. Everyone who said that was wrong, and his durability is some of the best I've ever seen in MMA. Uh, You know, the combination of durability, longevity, and just what I... You know, Keenan on earlier, always taking the biggest fights, even if it means spectacular losses. And dude, he's got one-sided losses to both Tony and Habib during that, you know, during that run and during that era. And you know, missed the Connor title fight with the foot injury. He has though the combination of those intangibles that, like, I haven't seen except for guys like Big Nog. You know what I mean? Like guys who are just these. You know what I mean? Like like uh, Shogun, like Dan Hendo, just all-time great. Just gritty, stubborn, all of those things that when it goes, you think it's going to go spectacularly. But that Moicano fight showed you that it, it hasn't gone and it may not be close to going. I mean, you do never know here, but remarkable that he's back at this point. And Luke, I like that you brought up the elevation there of 7,300 feet in Mexico City because our hardcore fans of this show who like to recognize those those heroes that have come across the scene in MMA over the years, you know, in short seasons. Luke, you know what I'm talking about. TRT Vitor, C-Level Kane, <laughs> motivated BJ Penn. Our fans have put cannabis slash vaping Luke Thomas in that category because they think, Luke, that you've never been this happy and lucid and relatable. Like, I just want to give you, the, the, you know, those flowers that you're on that level, Luke. Okay. Yeah. As you can see, me and alcohol don't always pair so well. <laughs> We're not exactly the best combo, but I would say that there's a little something to, uh, but I mean, yesterday, dude, on my couch watching the eraser, I had all the gummies in DC. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I just want to point that out. You were sending me LBBs covered in tats. I'm like, okay, he's into something right now. You know, he may yeah. not be, he may not have clothes on at the moment there. No. Um, Luke, some people did say, hey, if you guys, you know, going to keep, you know, hawking AG1 at us, shouldn't that have prevented you guys? Luke, I didn't, I forgot my travel packs. I'd given it away to my yes. parents. And also, and also, it. I had been slacking and I didn't take mine either. The proof is actually the other way around. That when yeah. we do take it, we seem to be just fine. And when we get off of it, all of a sudden, all the problems start starting or yeah. kick off. So keep that in mind, too. You know, AG1 should consider an HGH form. <laughs> you know, I would just... take that as well. I probably yes, would. Yes. Dude, I, I am so frail and pathetic. It's beyond belief at this point. <laughs> I had so, a nice long run. With with, yeah, I had a nice long run without COVID. It has finally come to a close. Yes. But I got to say, like, my overall health is just I, I mean, I'm one step away from being you know, living on the street in terms of my health profile. I mean, it really is just absolutely terrible. So I got to get this shit under control. Yeah, it's time to make it. It's, it's up to us as a people to start making some changes. Uh, Luke, make a make a pick here that could bring some change in the pockets of our, of our viewers and listeners. We're going five rounds, which, tell me if I'm wrong, this is new territory for Raphael Fazeev. It is, Luke. Um, just, this, is tw- this is 13th pro fight, first scheduled five-rounder. Will that play a part at all in how you handicap this? 
A little bit. A little bit. Here's what I think is very likely. Uh, I don't know if it's the likeliest possibility, but I would put there's like one or two, three, maybe most likeliest outcomes. One outcome is that RDA can't get the takedown, but is able to tie up uh, Fazeev long enough to not get finished in the first three rounds and then makes a late fight push. I think that's actually very possible. Dude, RDA's experience is some of the best in all of MMA. I mean, think about what he has seen, the kind of fighters he has faced, the adversity during camp, the adversity during fights, anything, you name it. Wait, short notice, all of it. Dude, this guy has seen it and then some. He is as grizzled a veteran, this fresh, remarkable, that you will ever see. And so he knows when to press the gas and then the brakes more generally. I do think it is very possible that Fiziev has an early and fairly consistent lead for long stretches of this fight that evaporates late. I am curious to see how much pressure RDA will be able to put on late. Because his two return opponents were short notice, however good they were, they were very short notice. And because he is 37 and Fiziev's takedown defense is so good, I'm going to lean towards Fiziev in this contest. But I do think very much RDA is a live dog. I think a couple of things are going to have to go really right for him. His wrestling is going to have to be on point at some point in this fight, and I think before the third round. And I also think he's going to have to be able to tire out Fiziev a little bit, which is somewhat dicey too. But I think that he it's very winnable for him. I just feel like it's a few things that have to go his way that may not in order to get that W. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, look, he's look, RDA is going to have to walk through some shit to win this fight. The, the other yeah. guy, I mean, Fazeev Luke is, is, a, is a knockout threat, but he's a physical force. And when we talk about Dos Anjos having success in the, in the clinch and some of these exchanges where he can try to use his guile to offset the, you know, physical or youthful advantages. I mean, he's got a he's got a silverback in front of him, and at least in terms of this division. I mean, I couldn't believe the commentary team in the Riddell fight was trying to talk about. Oh, Riddell just looks bigger. Shit, he looks bigger. Fazeev's jacked, man. I mean, his frame, everything about him is just big, Luke. But can he go five hard rounds with give and take, ebb and flows? Look, this is this is what we're asking of him. He's got some good wins. I mean, he stopped Moicano a couple fights earlier and did it violently. Stopped Riddell. Has some very good wins up to this point. But we're going to demand more of him. Can he meet that? Luke, I feel like maybe it's just a recent trend. I kind of feel like we're headed toward a five-round split decision. Well, we're going to say to ourselves, judging criteria-wise, did the takedowns <laughs> RDA did get? Was there enough? Here's the word, Luke. Impact to control that. I just feel like that's the season we're still in. It's, it could go either way, as the, as the betting odds tell you. But I like a decision here. I like a disputed decision. But at the end of the day, I got to go Fazeev. And you know I want to pull that trigger on RDA because I just have so much love for that guy. In fact, if we don't get him on that RSD couch, Luke, before the end of this calendar year, we will have failed. Okay, topic for another day. Um, I like Fazeev, but Luke, the point of me ranting here is it's going to be as close as you think it is. This may be RDA pouring out the jug one final time to have a stake, to have a say that he may have won that fight. But we are asking a lot of him at this point, even with Fazeev having only shown us so much because that was all that was available to him for opportunity. This is going to be both Fazeev's breakthrough and maybe the last time we see RDA pour all that shit out to get to the finish, Luke. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And also, just one, one more note on RDA. He, is, he has the verve of someone like Jeremy Stevens, but he actually wore a belt. 
And I really hope folks, folks understand at 37 years old, coming back down to lightweight. And by the way, you know, it's not his fault that he had to accept two opponents on short notice, but he didn't pull out of those fights either. And here they are giving him Fazeev, which is, you know, an insanely difficult task. It's not like he's looking to fight other older, bigger names. I'm sure eventually he will get to that point. But they're not giving him, they're not rolling out the red carpet for him. They're making this fucking guy earn it at 37 years of age. And he just says, okay, every time. I'm telling you, folks, when he retires, there just won't be guys like him very, very often. There's not very yeah. many guys like this often, but there were more of them during the day in which he had his heyday. When he goes, there are going to be fewer and fewer and fewer guys like this. Appreciate someone who doesn't ask for handouts, even at 37 years of age, doesn't complain about it, and oh, by the way, is still good enough to be a threat to win and might just actually pull it off. RDA is a special fighter in a time where these rules are changing, and I hope everyone takes a moment to appreciate just how unique he is. Both of us going fazeev all oh, by an edge there, but your point on RDA doesn't ask for handouts, doesn't ask for handos, as far as I'm, as far as I've heard, Luke. But you know, I feel at this point he probably could and could get it. Oh, uh, Luke, you mentioned the Verve, better '90s one-hit wonder, Bittersweet Symphony by the Verve, or Freshman by the Verb Pipe. So I will tell you, I hated both of those songs. Oh, get fuck you, fuck you, bro, fuck you. Hold on, hold on, hold on. But I do have an answer. But I do have an answer. There was a girl I dated briefly in high school who loved that Verve Pipe song. Of course. And I might have had some. And I might have had some. the Verve Pipe, if you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean. I was Luke, just, okay. You stole my joke. You stole my joke. I was going to say, I might have had some Verve Pipe when we hung out. So, so for that reason, I will lean towards the Verve Pipe. Yes. Uh, all right. Thank you very much. Uh, the acoustic version of the Verve Pipe's Freshman, which was a. Regular on the radio of 104.1 in Hartford. Great alternative station. Uh, for years, Luke, that, that is the boss version. I'm going to go with the verb pipe, not that you care. All right, Luke, let's keep it running on down this card. Uh, you told me not to sleep on this co-main event, the middleweight bout. So I did a little research, Luke. Um, I'm not going to tell you I know how to pronounce this Brazilian fellow's name, but he is that guy with the throat tat, Luke, mm. and he is undefeated. Could you hit me with a real-time pronunciation of this? So I'm going to do my best which is probably bad. My understanding is it's Caio Bohalio. Bohalio. So two R's in the middle would be an H, Bohalio. I would go with Chow as the first name. That's incorrect, right? It's not Chow, Chow because there is, there is a guy who I used to call him Caio Terra, but then I found out it was two R's so that it's Caio Teja. But uh, I knew him from jiu-jitsu. Caio Teja is actually an unbelievable uh, competitor. So it is Caio. And I'm sure I'm saying that like a gringo, but it is Caio. Uh, Luke, he'll be taking on 35-year-old Armin Petrosian, the Armenian-born kickboxer that I'm sure is on your radar for obvious reasons here, Luke. Um, let's talk about this fight. You seeing big-time action? You seeing an opportunity here for for one or both? But is this more about finding out if Borajo, Borajo, Borjo, Dude. <laughs> Damn. Dude, this guy and Andre DiCarico are going to beat your ass, and I'm going to film it yeah, and put yeah. it on TikTok. Dick That's Rico already happen. hates the media enough. Um, Luke, Barajo, he's got an aggressive throw, Ted. Not Vanderford level, but it does say, I've either done time or I'm you know, willing to scratch your skin off of your face with the right amount of drugs. Um, is this fight about finding out if he is for real? Or does he have a Eastern European hammer waiting for him, Luke? 
This is an interesting one. Petrosian, as you mentioned, is a little bit older, but dude, he is such an aggressive striker. I mean, listen to these numbers. Strikes landed per minute, 7.5. That is extremely high. And then strikes absorbed, 3.39. Now, that's not low, but that's pretty average. And the differential there is extraordinary. And he can walk through damage as well. Kyle Bohalio is much more well-rounded, though. He can he can throw down if he needs to. He also has a positive striking differential. By the way, he barely gets hit. 1.7 strikes per minute um, uh, absorbed. So that's super low. Takedown defense is decently high. Takedown accuracy is pretty high. He actually goes for about two takedowns per 15 minutes as well. So this is, to me, a question of how much he can change that fight. On the feet, it's not like he's outgunned. That's not really true. But I don't think he can beat Petrosian at his game uh, doing that. I just feel like that guy is so rangy, so powerful. He's just got a real kickboxing sensibility about everything that he does. Um, I don't think I don't think Bohalio can stand with that. But if he can take him down and hold him down, or at least you know find the back or whatever, then that really is going to put a test about Petrosian's limits. Petrosian has showed in the stand-up department he's got a lot to offer. Right? He can do a lot there. But it's also true that we haven't seen the full well-roundedness of his game really pushed. I yeah. think Bohalio is going to give us a little bit more of a sense about where each guy's strengths and weaknesses more fully lie. Uh, Luke, Baraglio, uh, he does have one loss, so I did wrong myself in real time. I came in a second pro bout, but uh, he he won a first-round stoppage in his Dana White Contender Series debut, which was 2021, and then took a technical decision, Luke, in his full UFC debut against Godsey Omar Godziev. I think. Um, Luke, he kind of looks like a like a younger Paulo Costa besides the neck tat. Am I wrong on that? The neck tat is intense, I have to say. That's an intense. I mean, I don't know if he likes too. red wine, but but he kind of has that look and maybe a little bit of that fighting spirit too, Luke, all right? Yeah, I mean, I also drink red, red wine the nights before fights, but not the fights I'm getting in. Uh, yes, yes. I would say that his ta he's also got the one on his arm here, too, that's like written English. That's also like, it's like, it's like you know, vote or die or something. It's like some other intense phrase. Hey, man, listen. If it helps him and he likes it, the, the, the tattoo is, he didn't get the tattoo being like, I hope Luke and Brian love these tattoos. Yeah, yeah. He's he, like, Fuck he got Luke them for himself and whoever else, but uh, they are intense, bro. They well, Luke, the, his second UFC fight, he's potentially, if, if this holds up, based on the pacing here as the co-main event, which Wikipedia has it at the moment, that, that shows you there's a push here. That shows you we're going to find out who Baralgio is. Luke, he enters as a minus 230 betting favorite, Petrosian plus 190. Looking forward to it Luke hell yeah okay this should be this should be some good theater to find out what we have here and moving on the card Luke I, I'll also dead wrong myself I'm being told by our viewers that Saeed Nurmagomedov although from Dagestan is not a member of the Habib lineage here that's right he is not they have the same last name but and they've been called brothers or cousins at times but I believe they just share I listen I'm, I'm sure at some point their family lineage overlaps but he's not like you know, Abdul Manap uh, yeah. in the family type. Indeed. Uh, this will be a Bantamweight bout against the shredded as shit, as you mentioned, 37-year-old Douglas Silva de Andrade. Um, love the Styles is. clash here, Luke. Love the Styles clash. And when you look at the odds at the moment, minus 350 for Nurmagomedov, plus 280 for the Brazilian. Who do you like in this one? Probably Nurmagomedov. Um I, I think that 
Deandraj, Silva de Andraj is certainly powerful and certainly uh, resilient, which he showed in his most recent fight. But I just feel like the, again, I always go back to it. This isn't always true, but in general, in general, skills win fights. And yeah. I just feel like Nurmagomedov has, has more ways to win this contest. But I recognize, dude, that guy Silva de Andraj is a goddamn powerhouse. Wait, wait till you see this dude if you guys haven't seen him before. He, again, pound for pound, maybe the most muscular guy, or at least the most shredded guy in all of UFC. He's won three or four since that loss to Peter Jan on, on Jan's early UFC rise. One of those wins, Luke, against a former champion, uh, the Baron. But uh, really, you don't get a lot of credit these days for Henan Baral victories since he, what did he lose, like eight of his last ten to end his career, Luke? I mean, unbelievable. I have, right? I have not paid attention, but it was a precipitous drop off. It, uh, yeah, as precipitous drops goes, that one was wet as shit. Yes, uh, Luke, you know I'm into as I mentioned on Wednesday. Look, it's it could be winner go home for a few people. Maybe Antonina Shevchenko against Courtney Casey here. Maybe Cynthia Calvillo, Luke. Who remember when Dana White said she's the next Rousey? She really needs a win here, riding a two fight skid at flyweight against Nina Nunes who also, you could argue, really needs a win. So, Luke, maybe we'll see some desperation-fueled, you know, fun and games here this weekend. Uh, big test for both. Nina Nunes, uh, you know, obviously had shown flashes of, uh, she had a great run right before having a kid. We'll see how she looks uh, more recently. Isn't and... giving birth a much more polite way to say it? And you're like, you know, until that kid robbed her of her career. No, it's not, even, it's not even that. It just takes time to get back. It takes time. Like, you know, your wife's had kids. It takes time to get back, even for normal conditions. So, you know, to get back I have to a rule them. that when you're talking about your own kid, it's your child, Luke, okay? It's your offspring. A kid is like that, that dirtbag kid from down the road. You know what I mean? Oh, like Dennis the Menace? Yeah, I don't mean it that way, obviously. But, um, but big doings here either way for this division. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, the card is overall else? not that great, to be clear. Right, but how about this? Uh, was he from the Dana White Contender Series? Ricky Tercios made a lot of noise last year, I think Luke? he was from Ultimate Fighter, if memory serves. Yeah, one of the two. No, and, he's, no, uh, no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. He's, he fought on Dana White's Contender Series. I and apologize. he's all action. He's fun as shit. He'll be taking on Faraz Zahabi's little brother here, Luke. Alamon. Aymon. Oh, wait, maybe Aymon. he did both? Uh, no, Ayman uh, Zahabi, yeah. Ayman Zahabi. Mm -hmm. Let me get that correct. Okay, thank you. They're saying he was on both, Luke. Yeah, he was on both. All right. Uh, you got anything else to say about this card, Luke? No, we should move on so I can keep my voice. Okay, all right. We'll, we'll be very uh, judicious in that regard. Back to the rundown. Topic number two, Luke. How about this out of the UFC news cycle? Michael Chandler, who's really fighting to stay in this title picture, fighting to get a fight with Dustin Poirier when we saw UFC 276 over the weekend. He went on Instagram, though, and pitched an interesting idea, a vacant title fight. Here's the quote. Hey, Charles Oliveira, do your thing, bro. Wait till Connor comes back. You deserve it. On a couple fight win streak, smashing through everybody, why don't you sit out? Wait for Connor to come back. I'll keep the division warm. I'll keep the division going. I'll fight Islam Mahachev next. I'll fight Islam for the title. And then whenever you get your so-called super fight, do your thing, get it out of your system. <coughs> and then you can come back to our division, see you at the top. Luke Mahachev would respond on Twitter with easy money, title is the goal, no matter who, let's go. Um, Luke, we have been kind of complaining, bantering on about when the hell is Mahachev going to get this freaking title shot? What are we doing here, bro? Does this fix it? Is this a good workaround if Oliveira <coughs> <coughs> 
the recognized champion without the belt, if he ends up getting Connor, which it seems like he really wants, is this the the the, the right counter matchmaking after that? Well, it's like when he says, "Why don't you sit out?" and it's like, "Cause he's the best guy in the division." Like that's why you don't sit out. Uh, but I'll say this: if if Oliveira is so committed to getting the Connor fight for the reasons that make sense for his life, and he actually won't fight Islam, if that's actually a thing, then yeah, I don't really mind. But I want to be very clear about this: if if Oliveira is in any way consenting to a fight with Makachev, and maybe he's playing hardball about fighting in Abu Dhabi or whatever, but he, you know, otherwise will fight him, that I don't have even the slightest degree of interest. My interest hinges 100% and strictly as a function of, is Oliveira willing to fight Islam next and within this year? Yeah. If the answer to that is yes, I don't give a shit about anything else. Where are you? Well, I, I got some problems with the scenario. Like, I like Michael Chandler always being opportunistic, and he goes after it. The, the boss is like that, too, rightfully so. But, you know, if Oliveira, who doesn't have the title, we have to remember that, whether you feel like that was deserving or not with the, with the weight situation, given DC's, uh, uh, you know, uh, coming clean. Wouldn't Oliveira versus McGregor have some form of the title at stake as well, Luke? You think Conor McGregor's going to take a non-title bout against Oliveira on his comeback fight? It doesn't seem like the they risk could do, meets the reward there. So wait, so what they could do is, at least in theory, they could do uh, interim title in one of the other two bouts. They could do Islam and versus Chandler for the interim or the regular one, and then do Connor versus Oliveira for the interim a, or regular one. I hate that abuse of the system when, dude, why can't you just make the co-main event Islam versus Chandler then? You know? Is it that hard? doesn't have to be a title at stake, you know? It's not that hard, but that's... Listen, this is what I'm saying. You can only get on board. With, and I'm not mad at Chandler for shooting a shot. Like, that's, you know, you got to see what you can do. And if it works out, well, why would you not advocate for something that's clearly in your favor? So that's fine. But that doesn't mean the rest of us have to go along with it. And so the, his, his scenario doesn't make sense, except, as I've indicated, if Oliveira is just, like, adamant, I'm not fighting Islam. In which case... What I would say is if, dude, if Oliveira, who kind of presumes that he is the champion, and we all kind of view him sort of halfway or perhaps fully in that way, if you're straight up saying, I'm not going to fight Islam, then yeah, you shouldn't be fighting for the title, right? Yeah. Like if, yeah. You, if you're that guy, then Islam is next, and you just have to accept that. You're damn right on that. First of all, I agree with you heavily. Uh, let's play a little little game here. You know I love this game. We do a lot of matchmaking on the lightweight division in general anyway because it's where the most stars, pay-per-view brands tend to congregate these days. It's almost like welterweight in boxing. So, Luke Thomas, what if I told you that Mick Maynard, Sean Shelby, Dana White, they, they invited you into the war room there. You got all the rankings on the walls, all the cards coming up. You got all that info. I don't know if the Nelk boys are there doing coke in the corner. I don't know. I don't even know who does coke anymore, Luke. Okay, not me. I'll tell you that much. Uh, that's an 80s drug, Luke, okay? I'm a child of the no, 80s. No, quaaludes are an 80s drug. No, that's a 70s drug. Come on, bro. Come on. Um... So, I mean, you know, it'd be a lot cooler if you did. Uh, Luke, so here's the deal. What if Mick Maynard, when he sits you down, goes, here's the deal. We're going to force Oliveira to fight Islam Mahachev for the title next, the vacant title, because it's what's fair. It's what it's it's the next fight. So that's in stone. How do you book the rest of the top ten can sit in and the bigger names around that, considering we got Poirier, Gaethje, Chandler, McGregor, Tony Ferguson. You know, you also have these rising names. Fazeev, if he wins, Gamrot coming on. Benil Dariush still out there. Sarukian coming on. 
Dan Hooker not dead. Jalen Turner coming on. This division rules, Luke. How are you booking the next six months if I'm telling you Mahachev gets the next call? So I would love to see Turner versus Ismagulov, number one. Would absolutely love to see it. Couldn't wait to see it. I would do Chandler versus Poirier. Mm. Now, let me interrupt you. Does that give the person, the winner, a title shot in your eyes in terms of the progression? It could. It could. I would do Gamrot versus Gaethje, and then I would do Darius oh, versus. My. Oh yeah, my God, that's I would a great do, fight. I know. There's a lot of good fights you can still do. I would do Darius versus the winner of this weekend's main event. So either Fazeev or RDA. You could do. Um, you could do McGregor Tony. Yeah, I was going to say that kind of makes McGregor Tony the fight. And Luke, it is the fight. It is right now. It is. That's and then the fight, you could dude. do. And then you could do Saryukian versus RDA or the loser of this weekend's main event. How about that? Okay, I'm in. I'm in big time because look, there there are many scenarios in which RDA can lose Saturday night's main event uh, in a very respectable way and be the perfect test if he's still trying to you know linger in the in the top ten, which he's never stopped trying to get into title position up to this point. I like really exactly how you laid it out. Look, the more I think about it, even though I've thrown out about 78 configurations involving McGregor's comeback, uh, you know, in the past few months alone, dude, Tony, it, it's kind of, it's just perfect. It's better than the Cowboy comeback fight in so many ways. It's perfect, Luke. There's so many good fights you can make. And I also, you know, I mean, I know he called for it, so this is hardly some, like, genius matchmaking. But, dude, Gamrot, you know, he beat Saryukian, who didn't have a big ranking. But given how fucking difficult that was and how impressive his late push was in that fight, he should get a big fight against a big name. I want to see this new generation of guys with names who are largely impossible to pronounce correctly beat all the guys whose names we can pronounce. They, like, there's, a, there's something to be said for this new generation who are coming through that, that, you know, let's match them up against not just each other, which we saw. Let's match up against some of these older bros. Let's see what happens yeah. there. Maybe these new guys are, you know, we, who everything we think they are. Maybe these old guys got a little something, something for them. But either way, we need to find out. I love matching those as much as we can, too. It's going to be high theater for sure. But let me bring up the two quick wild cards here. And it's related to the news cycle. Not in our rundown, Luke, but the champion at Featherweight, Alexander Volkanovsky, revealing on social media, I think he put out some x-rays, too. He suffered a broken thumb in yeah. the second round of the trilogy bout against Max. Never showed it. Right, put him away in in a dominant one sided decision. Um, we know of his interest to fight for the lightweight title. We also know it it could be very likely that Max moves up. I mean, uh, you know, we haven't heard any concrete news either way, but Max could very well crash the party of that matchmaking session you just had. Is the right move now to tell Volkanovski we love you, bro, but the, it's too crowded on this end right now? Uh, but I would say this, like, I know he wants an immediate title shot, and I think that is too crowded. I would say unless he's willing to wait, we can give you a top contender, but not a title shot. Okay. And I mean, he probably says, well, I don't want that. But, dude, they don't even have, there isn't even a crown champion right now. I mean, yeah, it would be silly to have him move up. right. And I realize he has to heal from the injury and everything. But, uh, yeah, if it's, if it's title shot or bust, then I would say he has to wait a little bit. For sure. What is he out? Is is it twelve weeks that Volkanovski? At least, yeah, to at least. So he's okay. out. You know, he's out for three months. So let's say all of July, August, September, he back October, November ish. He could probably fight December or January, something like that. Um, it, it's good, dude. I, I hate we always have to bring up Connor when we talk about this, but like, 
a lot of these decisions are going to be based on what they do with Connor. Do they give him a Tony or, or a Max or, you know, in a rematch, or do they give him the freaking title shot? Also, he, it's it's all in play, Luke. It's it's all freaking in play. Everybody's waiting for Connor. Also, what they could do is they could give him the Tony fight, but then do it at 170, right? Because Tony's fought as high as 170 before. Yeah. and yep. So they, there's a couple of ways they could make this work. I mean, Cerrone obviously he fought at 170 for a long time, but he was really at 155. Well, you know, he was both, but, you know, he fought ably in both weight classes. And so they could make that little twist as well. Who's a 155er who'd be willing to fight at 170? Things like that could change the direction, too. Yeah. And and by the way, if Max does decide to go to lightweight, instantly match him up with any of those action heroes that we just mentioned, and you make a big pay-per-view main event. Can't wait to see. All right, interesting development here in Topic 3, Luke. I, I'm sure you don't care, but I tend to care about stuff involving... Yoana Young Jacek, yes, the retired Yoana champion, former strawweight king, queen, excuse me, five title defenses, can't be wrong. Luke, she did an interview with one of uh, the schmo, shout out to uh, our Las Vegas friend there, in which she was asked, JJ, you know, uh, who is your women's MMA Mount Rushmore? Who's on it? So here's the quote that, that Yoana gave to the schmo. Ronda Rousey, number one, me, meaning Young Jacek, and Amanda Nunes, who became the first champion in two different weight classes, so definitely. And Valentina as well. So I put Ronda, Amanda, Valentina, and then me. End quote. Luke, it's got to be a somewhat slow news day to get you to agree to do this shit, but I love this shit. So Luke, when I look at the women's MMA, first of all, when I look at a potential Mount Rushmore, everything you want to say, I don't think you can disagree with, correct? Uh, everything? I don't know about everything. Okay, but she's got Ronda, Amanda, Valentina, and Joanna. You could sub one, maybe two out, but that's still a damn near perfect four. But when I try to make my own, this thing keeps getting in the way. Tell me if I'm crazy. Because everybody's got to be like, oh, it's got to be Ronda Rousey, number one, right? But Luke, I, I feel, not her fault, but I feel that everything that Ronda accomplished, pioneer-wise and star-wise, will never be touched. I mean, she's a phenomenon. But hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I think her resume and some of her in-cage accomplishments won't age the same way because it was set such an early point in the evolution of women's MMA and the and the you know the experience level and 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 lack of dynamic skills from a lot of the people she was defending her title against and fighting. You could tell me that's unfair. I'll, I'll give you an opportunity, but I almost think you have to look at it as tell me your criteria as a Mount Rushmore of women's MMA, a mixture of everything. Whereas Ronda's got to be there. But if it's just who are the four greatest female fighters I've ever seen, Luke, I, I, this could be a Phil Friday hipster hot take shit. But it could be Amanda, Cyborg, Valentina, and Ioana just the same without Rousey on there. Am I being crazy, Luke? How do you I mean, the problem? The problem with these games is that they force you to tell a story in a way that you can't, right? In other words, if, imagine if you told the story of women's MMA more fully and completely. Yeah. You would you could you could include whoever was relevant. You wouldn't have to pare it down to four names. In fact, the story of women's MMA cannot be told 
in four names. One of the names you've left off, and I realize this is going to sound like a hipster pick, but dude, it's not. It is important for the what, story of women's MMA. You're going to say Fujumi. I know you are. Yeah, Megumi Fuji E. Dude, well, it's not Fujumi. It's Megumi I'm, Fuji E. Correct. I'm sorry. I'm not doing uh, but a dude, bit. Like she, I, she, if you look at her record, it doesn't stand the test of time given the era in which she competed in, but like her rise is super important to understand both women's MMA in Japan, women's MMA right, more but generally. But she doesn't cut the top four under any of those scenarios I laid out. So this is a little hipster of you to bring her it's in. Not, That's cool. Dude, like, but this is what I'm trying to point out. It's like you're talking about like, who's on the Mount Rushmore now. Are those the four most important presidents we've ever had? That's certainly very debatable. It's very debatable. Yeah. So, so the point I'm trying to make is if you're trying to pick four to tell the most of the story, right, you got to put Cyborg on there. You got to put Amanda Nunes on there. I do think you have to put Rousey on there. Um, just in terms of changing the game. But by the way, dude, like women's, women's boxing is starting to heat up a little bit. And I wonder if Rousey doing what she did in MMA and how much it heated up. And by the way, she, of course, is not the only ingredient there, but a big one. If that woke up people to, to women's MMA's potential, and now that's waking up people to women's boxing's potential. There's some kind of argument to be made there potentially. Oh, for sure. For sure, um, Luke. And so like no, that that's what I'm saying. Nobody will ever dent her impact and she had a Mike Tyson like run where it was like I don't even care who she's fighting I have to see it but you even though you want to left out Cyborg I think Cyborg should be in the top four isn't Valentina a better fighter all time and you could argue has, has accomplished in terms of in cage just as much if not more than Ronda not impact in cage Luke yes in cage she's done more but in impact she is infinitesimally much smaller so, so again, what's your criteria? Answer the question then at the end of the day. What is your my, criteria? But, but, okay, but like the criteria is like, who would I put on Mount Rushmore? I just put on motherfuckers I like. Like you can't tell the story of women's MMA with just four names. It's not possible. You cannot do it. So the exercise is, I get we do it for shows like this and it's kind of fun. What I would say is somebody who changed the game the most, either through what they did inside or outside, but you have to have a little bit of both. I think that's what I would say. So I might put the last name as Joanna, to be honest with you, uh, over Valentina. And I realize Valentina has done more in cage, but I don't know if she's as important to the overall story of... Now, she might end up surpassing that, in which case I'd have to switch it out. But as of today, July 8th, 2022, I'd argue that Joanna was a little bit more significant, um, both in terms of... Well, not more as a champion. She has done... Her role was spectacular, but uh, in, in straw weight, you know, she obviously has an incredible run. And... Outside of the game, it wasn't like she was a huge star in the ways that Rousey was, although I would say more than Valentina. But again, I made this point when she retired. She was something of a torchbearer in that post-Rousey absence yeah. for fans, for someone to carry the game. I do think that should be noted, um, personally. Everyone's list is going to be different. The criteria is going to be different. I've got Cheyenne Velismas as the fifth head in this conversation. Luke, I don't have to explain myself to you. But I do think you are looking at it more of probably how most people do the story of MMA or the, you know, the accomplishments mixed with the fame, pioneership. So obviously nobody's touching Rousey in that. If that criteria was had over the entire history of the UFC, not MMA, but the UFC, would you also agree that Ronda's face should be on there? Maybe along with Dana, Brock, Anderson Silva. I mean, you, you could play with those four, but... It, under that way of looking at it, you could make a firm argument that Rousey needs to be on the Mount Rushmore of the entire UFC's history, Luke. Yeah, you probably could. You could, Again, you can't tell the story with just four names. 
And it's hard to know who the four most important are. Um, but you can absolutely cobble together a case where she is included and not sound crazy. Yes, I think you could do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Do you Does uh, Travis Hoppe Brown dash Rousey ever fight again? I doubt it. I doubt it. They well, couldn't you see him going to BKFC and like fighting Hector Lombard or something, Luke? I, mean, I don't I could know, see dude. He took like a lot of damage too. You know, he took a lot of damage too. And if you don't need to take that damage, why the hell would you? You know, they seem to be making enough money to not need to, Luke. So shout out to them. They did beat the game. Let's give Rousey her credit. She didn't handle the media well. She did beat the game. Walked away, doubled or tripled her stardom. Like she seems to be doing well, Luke. She seems to be kicking ass. Isn't she back in WWE again? Did I didn't I see that on yes. my timeline? Yes, that is true. She came back at WrestleMania, but uh, thank you. Thank you. All right, let's go to topic four, Luke. Uh, news update on the UFC sphere. The UFC London bout that had us pretty damn interested. Darren Till taking on fellow middleweight, middleweight excuse me, Jack Hermanson, is now off. Till pulling out with an undisclosed in, uh, injury. Chris Curtis sliding in, looking to Mr. All-Action. They're looking to make some noise against Hermanson. But Luke, given Till's incredible ups and downs, up against, he still seems to be a, a, a huge star. I mean, he still seems to get preferential treatment. But his career hasn't been going in the right direction for a while. Even with the new bromance-ship with uh, one Hamzat Chemaev. Is this a big deal or is it just wait another three months and then we'll finally see him back? What do you mean? Meaning, there hasn't been a lot of great Darren Till headlines. You know what I'm saying, Luke? Oh, I see. Things, these I, themes, it seems to be falling apart is what I'm saying, Luke. I don't know what to make of Till's situation without getting more information. I do think that partnering with MMA All-Stars in the way that he did and training with Hamzat and a lot of those other guys up there is nothing but a good thing for him. Um, you know, and obviously he had to get right with the weight class going from 170 to 185. But listen, he was heavily hyped, probably overhyped in terms of what the promotional machine was doing for him in ter- relative to his... Uh, elite level readiness. Obviously, he does have some elite skills, but the overall game itself is still in development. He's still very young. How old is Darren Till? BC? You 29. 29. 29. You know, he's getting there, but he's still in his 20s. There's still some time to see how far he can go. To yeah. me, the bigger story here is, well, is Darren Till, where is he in his career? He's coming or he's going. To me, the story is Chris Curtis, dude. Because when he lost on the Contender Series, correct me if I'm wrong, he not only won that fight on the Contender Series, he won via stoppage, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he did. He stopped Sean Lally in the third round with a KO. Now, the rest of that fight wasn't necessarily all that great, but he won, and then he won via stoppage and then didn't get uh, a callback to, for the UFC. And I had him on my radio show like the next day or you know, a couple days following. And he was like, yeah, I'm done, dude. I'm tired of being broke. I'm tired of not finding a way to advance like all of this sucks I don't want to do this anymore and then you know eventually came back and uh, had some ups and downs but since going to the UFC he's done nothing but win and against Vieira he couldn't get the stoppage but against Brendan Allen against Phil Hawes yeah, we punched their lights out the story of this to me is that Chris Curtis didn't have any of the promotional benefits that you know that obviously Darren Till got I'm not mad at Till for getting it but he hasn't been able to actualize on it Curtis got zip of those and yeah. yes, this is fortuitous that he was able to fill in for an opponent who had fallen out, but he took this fight. It's entirely winnable against Jack Hermanson, and it's just really nice to see the business reorient itself, however slowly. You know, they always say the wheels of justice grind slowly, but they fucking grind, man. And they yeah, finally they have oriented themselves around a Chris Curtis, who fans seem to like, who is talented, 
who has a lot of ability and was never, never the favored son of the promotion. Good for Chris Curtis, man. I really hope he goes out there and does his thing. Indeed. Big opportunity. Let's see if he could break through with that. But, you know, you can't overlook it, though, with Till. Lost four or five. Yes, all two elites. You know, one of them a title fight, which he got stopped by Woodley, but lost four or five. And, Luke, the fight before that, the Stephen Thompson, you know, d unanimous decision. Dude, that was very contested in hindsight, in my mind, in hindsight. I don't know. I'm not a Till hater, dude. I think he's a great, he's a troll. He's hilarious. I want Till to be a big thing. But I got questions, especially at middleweight, Luke. If he can do this against the elite competition, maybe the Chumayev camp, you know, new teammate, new style, new whatever, will help him in the cage. We, we still haven't seen that yet. He's only fought once in each of the last two years. But um, I hope he comes back, Luke, and I hope he can put it back together because there's a lot there. You know there's a lot there, but it's been it's been underachievement. It's pretty pretty much across the board. He's got a lot of work to do. And obviously, you know, he's had chronic injuries as well. It's not just underperformance in the cage, although obviously the injuries can be related to that. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's a lot that has to happen. Um, there's still plenty of time. Let's be very clear about that. But, you know, the Darren Till Express has come to a halt. And while it'd be very premature to say it can't get going again, there are some questions at this point about A, ultimate upside, and B, when, if it's going to get going again, shouldn't that process already be in motion? I, again, I do think the change to All-Stars is key, but... That's we know we need to start seeing some progress uh, soon ish. If he doesn't really begin to like make some progress in 2023, I think then there are some problems for yeah, sure. Yeah, be good. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Let's see what happens. All right, our fifth topic, Luke, looking at the weekend hits the squared circle. No, not pro wrestling here. Uh, boxing, the the sweet science, Luke. And how about this Showtime triple header? It goes down this Saturday night only on Showtime. San Antonio, the Alamo Dome, a triple header headlined 9 p.m. Eastern by the WBC featherweight championship. Luke, Mark Magsayo really, really is making some moves here. Upset Gary Russell Jr. to end his long reign here. Has the WBC strap, 27 years old, 24-0 from the Philippines. Rightfully so because of his connections and image here. He is being looked at as not the next Manny Pacquiao, but maybe the next young, vibrant Filipino fighter to get that hungry fan base to give him that push. He's got Freddie Roach as his trainer, and he's going in there against unbeaten Ray Vargas, who is much taller and longer than him, is moving up from 122, where Ray Vargas, by the way, 33-0, I think, held the title down there, beat big names. He's coming up. This fight has a lot to be desired for in terms of potential action and contrast and all that. But Luke... Maxayo definitely got our attention at the level where it's like, let's not try to do the next Pacquiao thing, but maybe the next big Filipino thing. Dude, he's hungry. He's got pop. It is front row seating. I got to see what happens next on his rise. It, this is a tough fight, though. Like, from what I've seen on tape, man, Vargas is a handful. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. This is also a mandatory, right? I believe um, so. So if this is a mandatory, boy, sometimes these mandatories, they're not all that impressive. This one is, it. I favor Vargas to win. I think most of the odds makers do as well. He's super, super, super talented. Um, I think that Magsayo is going to be very opponent dependent, which is, which is what I mean is, obviously he's got skills and you know he's not in this place by accident, but he's got a lot of aggression. And against Vargas, I don't know if that aggression is going to do him a lot of favors. I think that Vargas's reach, as you mentioned, certainly has got a lot of experience. 
his ability to work behind the jab is going to be pretty critical. I think Magsayo is going to have a hard time really cornering and drilling Vargas in the way that he can against some other opponents who oblige that style. To me, I, th I think Vargas might be getting some belts on Saturday, but I guess we'll have to see. Wow. Well, look, I, you know, the thing about Magsayo is he's probably at this point more exciting than he is fully certified. And I, and I say that with respect. I mean, he just went out there and beat Gary Russell Jr. I mean, in a big upset. But if there's a lot of flash... Good looking, you know, has the, the full package in that regard. Good pop, goes after it. But can he win a fight like this against somebody so skilled? And by the way, Vargas, who's 31 years old from Mexico, is 35-0 and 0 with 22 KOs. He'll have a four-inch height advantage, a two-and-a-half-inch reach advantage. But Luke, I do love the synergy here. Maxayo was born in the Philippines. The first fight he saw of any prominence that got him hooked on boxing was the first fight that Manny Pacquiao kick through our TV screens. I mean, look, he had already, Manny Pacquiao had already made his debut on HBO last minute, upset Leo Ledwaba, won a world title. We were like, who the hell is this guy? But when he fought Marco Antonio Barrera in 2003, in the Alamo Dome, by the way, how about that for synergy? That's the fight where Mark Magsayo was like, holy crap, I love this guy, this Pacquiao guy. I want to do that for a living. Now he gets, you know, a huge opportunity coming off the biggest fight of his uh, career, upsetting Gary Russell Jr. to headline in the same venue. So, you know, we'll see what happens here. But to your points, Vargas can fight. Uh, this is a tough, tough matchup on paper. But these are the type of fights Max is going to have to win to keep pushing that fan base and, and, and ta us taking him seriously. At 27 years old, there's been no reason really not to yet, Luke. Let's see if he can go out there. I mean, he's already saying he thinks Vargas is going to run and, and really try to make this a slow, boring fight. Um, there's a point, yes, where Magsayo can be over-aggressive and, and, and have that fall against him, but I like the attitude he has of, I'm just going to go out there, chase this guy down, knock him out, and continue my, my, my walk. It's going to be fun to see. We shall see. It's, it's, it's going to be... It, I don't think it's going to be boring. It, it is true that Vargas might play a smarter game plan, but either way, is going to go go forward, and so we yeah. shall see what happens. Uh, the co-main event you really need to pay attention for for a couple of different reasons. First of all, it's a number one contender bout for the title being defended in the main event with Magsayo against Ray Vargas. And Luke, how much do we love Brandon Figueroa, Figueroa, Brandon Figueroa excuse yeah. me. All action uh, affair against Stephen Fulton Jr. Delivered the fight of the year last year. Really, it was a flip the coin on the cards. He's decided after some tough weight cuts to move up to 126 pounds. So he's going in there against Carlos Castro, who is as experienced as they come. Uh, this should be not only a really fun fight, but if Figueroa wins this, he could be getting lined up to fight Magsayo or Vargas, whoever comes out of that main event. So we're talking about big stakes. Luke Figueroa almost already saying... The lack of the hard weight cut, I feel stronger. I feel more vibrant, quicker. Some guys do kind of come out of their shell even more when that's not a debilitating part of their game, having to cut down. Are you expecting big things out of the featherweight version of this kid? Yeah. I, he gave Stephen <clears throat> Fulton Jr. a tough, tough fight. He has high output. He's got crazy durability. I think moving up, honestly, and it's not a huge jump either, but moving up is only going to aid that. You know, he doesn't have the body type. Or he, I should say he doesn't have the style for the body type that he has. You would think he would fight a very different way, but he doesn't. Doesn't matter. He is very, very good with that style. I guess we'll see how he deals with an opponent who's got a little bit more oomph on their power, a little bit more durability themselves. But BC, what I think is going to save him is the volume. The volume for him is a, a, a critical oh, the body. component. Dude, and the he body work, yep. people out of the body. Yeah, absolutely. So between those two factors, I'm expecting good things for him. 
I believe Castro is fresh off his only loss of his career, Luke, when he went to a split decision with Luis Neri, who we know is a big player in and around these weight classes. Castro moving up from 122, just like uh, Figueroa, but that was a very close fight. Neri needed it to bounce back after being stopped by Figueroa, so we'll see how that plays out. But Luke, in the opener of this triple header, 9 p.m. Eastern, don't sleep on Frank Martin. Unbeaten lightweight. We know how busy that division is with, with up-and-comers who are trying to make that leap. Frank Martin, trained by Derek James, Luke, who we know as only really having super elite clients in, in Errol Spence Jr. and Jermel Charlo. He has a last-minute opponent change, but it's a guy we like a lot. Jackson Mariñez, the pure boxer who yep. you and I both thought got the best of Roley Romero in their title fight, but didn't get the nod on the scorecards. This is an interesting bit of last-minute theater here. I like the matchmaking. I, I like it, too. Mariñez, again, I thought he got robbed. I mean, robbed is a strong word, but I did not think there was a strong scorecard for Roley Romero. He got it. Mariñez took it to him for the most part. Uh, good <clears throat> boxer, clever. For all the reasons that BC stated, this will be a fun, action-oriented opener between two good guys. I love it. Just a reminder, Showtime, 9 p.m. Eastern for the triple header. The two-fight preliminary card is going to be live on Showtime Sports social media channels on YouTube. Luke and I, I think that's 5.45 p.m. Eastern start time, maybe 6. I'll have to double-check. Apologies on that. But Luke and I, watch party, live, play-by-play, -play, little fun and games. We'll, we'll take you with that. A couple good fights worth tuning in for. Uh, Luke, also Saturday in the boxing realm from London on DAZN. Are you pumped at all for Derek Chisora versus Kubrat Pulev Part 2? No, no. Given the, the trash talk and pushing and head-to-head -head between them? Dude, they've had the worst stare-downs imaginable. Like, one time Pulev takes off the hat. The other time they're, like, doing a head, like, wrestling contest and they just stop and then awkwardly smile at each other and then today Chisora came out with like a Boris Johnson mask and Pulev and him were like five feet apart I'm like you guys have the worst the, the strangest face-offs at all times I mean I guess it's a fun fight because by the way Pulev has been collecting well did he get paid by Triller I don't know if he got paid but um in general has been kind of you know fishing around the combat sports market let's say for some interesting opportunities and i think he didn't he beat frank Mir or some shit he beat the fuck out of someone yeah he beat the, the dan marigliata almost got frank Mir killed in that fight Luke, yeah that so you know he can obviously yeah. punch his lights out and uh you know he's a good fighter <clears> and all that it's a it's not like the end of the world in terms of being a fight but like am i super thrilled for it no i'm not thrilled for it, it could be fun and sloppy they fought in 2016 uh, Pulev won by split decision, but, you know, Del Boy, Derek Chisora is on a three-fight losing skid. You know, the, lost both fights to Joseph Parker in a row. Needs a big one here uh, after getting sunned by Dillian White. So we'll see what happens. Uh, also, don't miss uh, Israel Madrimov on that co-main event. Uh, I think it's a rematch with Michelle Soro at 154. That's worth watching. And uh, Felix Cash, the British pot prospect, also in a featured fight on the way up there. Uh, Luke, real quick on these quick hitters here. Um, Tony Kelly getting let go by the UFC after the TKO lost to Adrian Yanez, but also the very uh, well-criticized comments he made about Brazilians in the corner of Angela Lee before that. Uh, do you have a reaction to this news? I mean, that's hardly the only thing he said that was insanely racist. Uh, he, If you look on some of his Instagram stuff, he had a lot of crazy things to say there as well. It's amazing that their UFC is only getting rid of him by virtue of the fact that he lost. <laughs> like, if he had won, if he was actually really good, we just have to tolerate this? From now on, I, I don't know. He won wonders, but uh, Adrian Yanez or Yanez, excuse me, had the the funniest take on it. He was like, "Well, there goes my rematch." So <laughs> I guess that's true. I mean, you know, yeah, I don't have much more to say about it than that.
By the way, your interview with Adrian Yanez, which you can catch right now, youtube.com slash morning combat. I finally got around to it, Luke. Love his boxing IQ and and not only hair, you know, respect he has for the past, but how he's able to really work that into his game. Uh, I love the I love what he's doing right now at this at this he's, level. Yeah, he's so smart. If you guys haven't seen it, I know it's long, but uh, it's really worth your time to see a young fighter this understanding of the fight game and then clearly thinking through all of these problems. He's He's got a bright future. Yeah, also check out our Room Service Diaries sit-down with uh, Josh Emmett, which really is worth your time. I know he's he's been on a lot of shows lately, but I feel like we got the deepest and best out of him, Luke. It's fun. It's also real, so check that out. Uh, indeed. Quickly, Luke, I know you don't care about Adesanya versus Chris Pratt in terms of this social media war. Pratt was on the ESPN Post show, was a little critical of this topic that's still being thrown around. People upset with us even that Izzy is boring as shit and not a pound-for-pound best. Um, Pratt was a little negative in the in that regard. Adesanya sunned him on Twitter, but now Pratt kind of bent the knee and apologized and was like, I shouldn't have said that. Is that going too far, Luke? Because you also made an apology this week that some people said, what the hell are we doing in this PC environment? Let the yeah, guy I mean, I didn't, I didn't apologize because I made, you know, racist comments or something, and then I was like, oh, I'm my bad. Uh, you know, I was trying to, and I, we also acknowledged we had some wins on Friday. We had some wins yes. from the people in attendance and, of course, MGM, but... Uh, you know, listen, I, I, if he feels that way genuinely, then I wouldn't want to disrespect his um, sincerity and empathy for someone's situation. If it's insincere and he's just bowing to what he feels like is pressure, then, of course, that's ridiculous. Uh, I did not feel I didn't agree with his comments. I thought it was they were a little silly after the fight, but I didn't think they were worthy of like lashing out. But, you know, yeah. dude, it is pretty clear. I would say two things. One is he appears to be taking this win almost not the fight itself, but the reaction to it, almost like a loss. Like, he appears, like, this time to be fed up with the media, fed up with some of the fans, fed up with, you know, celebrities like this weighing in on it in ways where I've not quite seen the same level of pushback that he had previously, you know, demeaning the the the, the media, being like, I could do your job, and then even to Chris Pratt, like, I'm the man, you're just some fan. You know, this is indicating a level of sensitivity to this performance that I've not seen from him previously in the same way that's the first thing i'd say and for the folks who pushed and, and for the folks who pushed back on us that's fine if you don't agree with our takes you don't have to it's, we're just giving them you can do what you want with them i will meet them a little bit halfway and it goes back to something i had said previously bc and i wonder how you feel about this when you're when you're as good as izzy is in that one dimension of the game it's not one dimension but the totality of striking let's say and you can lord that over your opponents and when you're so good at it that you can do it with A, winning, and then B, not really taking hardly any damage, it's hard to get them out of that mind frame. It's like, dude, if I don't have to take damage doing this, why the fuck would I? It doesn't make... Once you reach a level of the game where you have command of it, where damage is an option, that's a hard thing to talk somebody out of. What I oh, would say, sure. though... Yeah. What I would say, though, is in meeting these folks halfway, it does speak to, again, his defensive wrestling and his urgency in those positions is incredible. His takedown defense is criminally underrated. All those things are true. But there's not much of an offensive B game. There's not much of an ability to take the fight. Like, if RDA can't win on the feet, he can just go right to the ground. Like, it's not, the B game is very strong relative to the A game. And I want to be clear, Izzy's A game is extremely strong but while he does while he doesn't necessarily need to take damage, I do think it underscores the lack of 
uh, the B game being as fully developed as you might see in other cases that would allow him to exert other forms of dominance. I think that yeah. might be true. Right, and this argument's also not just black and white, and I don't mean skin color. I mean, like, it's not just right or wrong. There's gray areas. Like, I get, look, I don't think it's boring what he's doing. I think he's still pressing forward. I think he's still, like, again, I think he's putting all the pressure on the opponent. Will that affect a, a level of pay-per-view buys in, in global stardom? Yes, but I don't think it's boring to watch, especially when he's in there with guys like Cannoneer, who I thought could have won that fight, but ultimately made the decision not to take the big chances. That's like a... You know, that's like a uh, the way he's taming the snake there out of Sunday. It's incredible to me. Like a lot of those Mayweather fights, was some did it get too boring? Sometimes, yes. But I also love the craft and the technical side and the sport, and just enjoyed watching people trying to do something against Floyd. Um, that's really what I was saying. Is it the most exciting way to fight? No. Is a lot of the people's anger more on the idea that because he's coming out with the Undertaker urn and predicting that he's going to kill a guy, and then he does that? Should should we hold him accountable for that? I mean, you can, but it's also about selling the fight. And I think he's doing a very good job selling the fights. The fact that he's not fighting, the fact that he's not going after people like some of the heroes before, again, you could say that it's not your cup of tea, but I don't think what he's doing out there is boring. I think yeah, you're I agree missing with that, that I, if that's what you're saying. You know, I think there's, listen, I think there's a lot of people who show up expecting big action. And of course, yeah, he talks a big game too. You know, there is that. And I understand that that complaint. And again, if people paid for something that they didn't feel like they got, then that's 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 just on that's, that's just reality. But I think you know, going back and being like, "Oh, this is so terrible to watch." It's not terrible to watch. And I think if you feel that way, you might want to question a little bit about like what is it that actually makes you feel so strongly. The fight yeah. was not it was not scintillating, far from it. But it was like, "Oh, it was painful to watch." No, it wasn't. It wasn't that. And I think people are exaggerating a little bit. Like, Luke, it, remember the narrative after, rightfully so, by the way, the narrative after Pacquiao Mayweather was like, oh, shit, that sucked. And it, because it sucked in comparison to the expectations, it sucked having to wait so long, it sucked in some ways that Pacquiao didn't go for broke when he was actually pretty damn close on the, on the scorecards, all things considered, at, at one point in the second half of that fight. Um, but I still really enjoyed that fight from a technical standpoint. I, I've rewatched it a few times, Luke. It's amazing to see those two although late in their age, still at a very high level and just playing chess with one another. So sometimes it does come down to what you, what you really I know. enjoy. And people are always like, oh, you know, the fan base feels differently than you and me. Yeah, they might. They might. And listen, sometimes they're going to be right and sometimes they're going to be wrong. But like when people were complaining about Mayweather Pacquiao, it's like, dude, that was the ultimate event for, yes, hardcore fans. But it was the ultimate event for casuals, too. You gotta forgive me. I, when hardcore fans disagree with me, I will absolutely listen to them. But I gotta tell you, when casual fans disagree, I don't give a fuck. I don't care what their opinion is. And there's a lot of casuals out there being like, "Oh, is he's boring?" And there's hardcore ones too, to be clear. Yeah. But like the casuals, yeah, yeah, like right. get the fuck. I don't. Their 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 assessment of the fight game is irrelevant to me. Uh, quickly, Luke. Again, Felice Herrig telling MMA Fighting that she's making quote ridiculous money from OnlyFans and thanks the platform for not having to make desperate decisions to come back and accept fights. She did just accept a fight with BKFC, which which could look desperate, but she claims, Luke, that she is using that to try to use their connection with uh, the fight app and try to get legitimate boxing matches, maybe through, like, uh, uh, Triller or whatever. So, uh, I don't know. There's a little bit of a mixed message. Here's a question. Here's a question for you. Serious question. I know we joke about this, but it's actually worth thinking about for just a second. If... Pay in MMA was better. 
like to the point where you know whatever it ends up being, but it would be like that's about that's about as much as favorable regulation in a competitive market's going to get you. Like you've maxed out whatever it is for the various levels. Would female fighters, and I, I get some men do it too, but like we largely know about it through female fighters. Would they still use OnlyFans to make money? Because your argument can be like, oh well, if they made more from fighting, they wouldn't need OnlyFans. But I actually wonder that if they made a lot from fighting and whatnot, would they just still use OnlyFans to make even more money than they ordinarily do? Like, what role would OnlyFans play in a marketplace where pay was fair? I guess is what this I'm. This is a very fair question. So I want to ask you because people assume I'm the hair club president, but I'm I'm not an OnlyFans client, despite what you may be thinking, Luke. Um, is it only a platform for? Nude, semi-nude, sexual—you know—you uh, know—it picks that. You know what I'm talking about. Is it only for that? Even if it's not fully nude, there's there's a way you can probably still market that. Or is it also like, here's my lifestyle. Oh, I'm going to give you a couple minute rant on this. Or is it o- literally only nude and semi-nude picks? I think they used to be able to do banging on there, and I think OnlyFans oh cut down on that. But <laughs> okay, at least they have standards, Luke. All right, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, uh, if it's I a way you to control your there. own narrative, in a way, then I get it. Like to have control, like you know. But if it's not, some would probably still do it. But should they, Luke? I mean, should they? Should they is a different word. The question is, will they? Because if the if the economic incentives are that high, like, why wouldn't you? Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to be able to make that money when you're 50. I can tell you that. You know, might as well get it now. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, what if you got an offer to, sh- to show yourself on OnlyPipes and they said, they said they would never have to reveal your face? So, you know, if people could guess your navel tattoo and they see it there, they, could, they might think it's you. Like, would you take that chance? How much money a month are we talking? Uh, double what you pay for childcare. Oh, that's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> um no no but like i could be bought <laughs> i oh could my be bought God. i would never show on only pipes luke okay never and don't don't show me anything in my dms either all right also luke uh eddie hearn saying he wants to make jesse bam rodriguez versus chocolatito you in oh shit balls yeah <laughs> who isn't into that bc who who is like- the dumbass who is not into that I like the sex. Uh, Luke, also, Vasily Lomachenko has, uh, through Todd DeBuff of Top Rank, has told ESPN that Lomachenko is seeking an October return and that he's going to exit the Ukraine conflict with Russia and get back into his career. No talk of a date, opponent, or venue, but Shakur Stevenson, my guy, was on the Brian Custer Last Stand podcast, and he said, quote, me versus Lomachenko is the fight that needs to happen. And he says, I feel like we are the two best technical fighters in the sport, technique and skills. I feel like him and me are on that kind of level. So I feel like that's a fight that needs to happen someday. Luke, that shit would get me. You talk about a phoner. I would need an OnlyPipes account to show you how excited I would be at that fight. (laughs) I love that. BC's got breaking news. To read more, go to onlypipes.com, and then you could actually like write it on your dong, and everyone would have to read your dong to, in order to get the news. That would be a hilarious way of owning your critics. <laughs> yeah, 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 it would Luke. Okay, I mean, wow. it's like take All a picture right. of your take a picture of your stretched out Bozak, 
and then you actually like superimpose text on top of it. That'd be that'd be hilarious. That'd I be mean, hilarious. it'd be uh, wow. It'd be uh, it'd be on brand. That's for sure. On the uh, three year but, anniversary of the show, we are still talking about each other's satchel. I just want to point that yeah, out. We really yeah. are awful. Um, did, would that give you the movement though, Luke? Please don't be. Don't yes, let me be of alone. course, of course, dude. And there's a, dude. There's a lot of great fights. I know Lopez Te- Teofimo Lopez has a fight coming up in what Florida? I think coming up. Um, but we'll see what happens with him. But yes, of course, dude. Stevenson is you know. There's been a few guys that you told me were like the guys to pay attention to. One was Devin Haney and one was Shakur Stevenson. And of those two, Shakur Stevenson looks to me like he might be kicking people's asses for a long time. I mean, I mean dude, would he support. beat would he beat Loma at 135? I don't know. I, that'd I don't be know. So, oh god, that'd be great. Right? Damn. Exactly. Give me that. L- L- at a bare right. minimum, you know this. Loma would test it. At a bare minimum, Loma would test oh, yeah. it. You know? That guy. Oh yeah, he would. All right, Luca. Uh, we get tested each week when we do this live show, and a lot of the shit we say ends up being, in fact, not yeah, right at all. Flatly untrue. So we have a segment each week where morningcombat at gmail.com is the in-hole of one producer, Mikey Morms, who's ready to take your receipts, your slander, your accusations that possibly BT or LC or the other, in, re, re, stop that, reverse it, uh, was dead wrong. Uh, uh. All right, Luke, this has become a let's roast BC portion of the show. Let's see if that continues. Uh, This one is here from uh, Edgar, Michael, and also Vance. Wow, I don't know who wrote this email, though. we got to do a better job identifying who's writing it. Uh, On episode 315 of MK, while discussing Rachmanov's previous opponents, Professor Salt-and-Pepper referenced South African fighter Carlston Harris, who is, in fact, Guyanese, making you dead wrong, sir. I oh, you know why? Because the flag looks somewhat similar, but that's right. That's right. That's a fair correction. Yeah, I'll take that L. You see, I will right. accept that L. He defers to be- to me for sentencing, Luke. But yeah, you're dead wrong on that. Um, All right, fair I enough. Used to, I used to work in the factory with a guy from Guyana. Luke loved cricket. Loved that shit. Dude, I got to tell you, if, if they're not speaking Portuguese or Spanish on uh, South America, I am. Even then, I'm probably woefully ignorant, but if they're not doing those things, I am like amazingly ignorant about it unfortunately so okay I should, well look I you know that more. that game i played with you a couple weeks ago like if i'm gonna i want to reinvent myself in the uk and i know i'm welsh i know it luke even though i got a scottish name and i'm one eighth irish i know yeah. i'd be i'd i'd fit in in wales bro me and the calzaghis man we would tear that place up what's the south american home for bc what country and their people match up with my idiosyncrasies and philosophy and culture that's a dude, bitch. You ain't like any of them. <laughs> um, Yo, I bet you I could fit in in some circles of Paraguay. I'm telling you this, okay? I don't know shit about Paraguay. I know very little about Paraguay, but like, oh, you know what? They're pretty tolerant in uh, Uruguay. Um, like, like I've heard good things about Montevideo. I've heard good things like there's weed that's legal down there, and that's pretty great. The okay, um, be- maybe you could fit in Argentina. The Argentines are wildly racist. You could do. <laughs> You always say that. You know what I know about Argentina? That they're badasses in the boxing ring, Luke. And they get jail tats all over them. They just cover themselves in jail tats, and then they yeah. box the shit. They're basically, yeah. this is hard to understand for someone, and I've never been to Argentina, so it's not like I'm some expert, but everyone from South America tells me this. The Argentines basically consider themselves Europeans who just happen to live in, uh, yeah. in South America, which there is obviously a great degree of truth to that, but not entirely. Um, Think Genovoli, right? 
Ginobili looks Italian, Luke, right? He does. Dude, look at Leo Messi. Look at a lot of those guys. But then, yeah. you know, there's a lot of them that don't look anything like that. And, uh, you know, their economy is a mess. I've heard I, I, one of my, like, go-to places, like, on the map where <laughs> I really want to go is Buenos Aires. I really want I really, uh, Buenos Aires. I, I really want to go. Yeah, but, thank uh, you. But, um, but they are, you know, I'll never forget. And every, every, I had so many people from South America be like, dude, that's just how we talked on here. Yes, y'all are racist as shit in South America. All parts of it. But when I saw those Argentine dudes summon the help at the pool, by the way, all the help is always like the class divisions in, in South America are crazy. Summon him by his race. And then people tried to excuse that. I'm like, if you think that is normal or it's normal in your country, it's because your country is racist as shit. I hope everybody understands wow. that. Okay. Yeah. You wow. don't summon people who are working and working class people to help you by noting their race that's not acceptable big words from a big man here the son of the american national himself Luke dude Thomas. they yes. they try to normalize oh it's just how we talk down here yes because y'all are racist as fuck that's why that's why Luke, do you have a i don't know your middle name is it like it probably it's probably like presidential it's probably like luke like luke roosevelt thomas or something like that right yes luke roosevelt thomas that's right that's <laughs> i'm gonna go with that from now on what is your what is your middle name, Luke? I'm not telling you, motherfucker. Oh, okay. Wow. Wow. It's like not like I asked for your only pipes password. I mean, come on, Luke. Seriously <laughs> here, bro, right? Damn, I guess I guess we'll keep going. All right, this one's from only Harry. Pipes password. Don't know if it's uh, dirty, Harry. Harry Colon. Uh, in the latest episode, BC managed to dead wrong himself twice in less than five minutes. Around the one hour forty-five mark. He referenced the double knockdown in Rocky Three. Did I? Because that's a bad dead wrong. That was, of course, in the Apollo Creed rematch, which was Rocky Two. Very noted. The, the final fight scene, amazing. A few minutes later, while discussing Aisha, BC named the members of another bad creation as Chris, Rock, Red, Dave, Rowe. Either you fell off the wagon and had a gas station hot dog in your mouth, or you simply forgot that it's Mark, not Rock. Okay. Yeah, right? That, I could guess why my 90s brain would say Chris Rock Red, but it's Chris Mark Red, Dave Rowe. That's fair. By the way, and at what point are we allowed to say that, like, not everything about Rocky is great? Like, the first movie is amazing. Oh, don't do this. Hold bullshit. on, hold on. Let, let me finish. You did, I, haven't, I, haven't, I, haven't even, I haven't even I haven't even finished my point. I mean, I haven't even argued what I'm trying to argue. Rocky oh, 2 I'm is ready. great. Rocky 2 is great. Rocky 3 I liked a lot. But come on, everything after that is kind of some bullshit. For the most part, right? Rocky Force the best one, dude. Come on, fuck. I mean, what's wrong with you? Rocky Four is, is the be were... Rocky Four is better than Rocky. Really? Okay, Rocky is the is the best actual movie of the of the, all of them. Okay, but what's the one you're going to go back to? I mean, Rocky Three is in this dis this discussion as well. I think as the best, but Four, dude, Four. It's uh, dude. Yes, it's '80s cheesy and propaganda and all that, but it's like it doesn't hide from who it is. It's a hundred percent of that. It's like saying, okay, we did sell our soul a bit by making a pop hit, but it's the greatest pop rock song you've ever heard. Like "Dance the Night Away" by Van Halen. I know, like sometimes we're like, man, was it really that cool? Yeah, it was fucking that cool. That song's amazing. Yeah, "Dance okay, the Night like Away" sucked. I will grant that Rocky Four is not terrible. It's definitely not terrible, but as a movie, not terrible. It does it, That's un-American. You're. In, you, I'm not saying. I'm, listen, I'm saying it's not terrible, but as a movie, it doesn't compare to Rocky. Like as a movie. Okay, as as an Academy Award winner or nominee, yes, but as a 
I mean, three's badass, Luke. And also, Rocky Balboa, which is technically number six, badass, man. I mean, I got no. some issues. Now, okay, I'll, I'll grant you that I may be a little harsh on Rocky Four. Fine, I'll dial back some of the criticism. Fucking, was is that the one with Mason Dixon? Yes. So it's, it's a, I, I didn't like the ending in that whole scene. And it was, you know, they kind of just, it was a trope. It was recycled. But there was a lot of heart in that movie, though, Luke. The first, you know, three quarters of it. And I think Rocky acted his ass off in that role. And uh, at least it took that stain of Rocky V away. And now with the, with the, you know, the Creed ones, I, I, I love, you know, I think they repaired all the holes, Luke. Okay. Uh, they did. Yeah. Did. Oh, no. All well, right. uh, I did like Creed a lot. Creed one um, was good, man. Creed yeah. one was good. I just didn't like. It's not. It's good. It's very good. Like you should see it if you haven't seen it. But it's definitely not Rocky. It's good. Yeah, it's not Rocky. Like Rocky three had this energy to it, Luke. That none of the none of them have that after Rocky four. That energy's gone. You know what I'm saying? It's alive. You know, Luke. Rocky yeah. three was some. I mean, dude, you had Mr. T, you had Hulk Hogan. I mean, that was like, that was a phenomenal movie. Yes, uh, Mark or Harry. I'm sorry, Dirty Harry closes with. The only thing more impressive than BC's range of references is his ability to dead wrong himself in multiple disciplines. All right. Thank you very much, Harry. Uh, let's go over to Kevin. He says, hi, Donks. Sliding into ding BC for the slip of the tongue on Friday's show at two hours and three minutes. He says, breaking news from the University of Colorado at Buffalo. Phil McKagan has been named a... Uh, uh, what, what was he named? It wasn't assistant. It was associate. Head oh, coach, I didn't I even catch that. Because they are the Buffaloes, right? <clears throat> but it's in Boulder. He says, BC, this is dead wrong because the University of Colorado <laughs> is in Boulder. Ralphie the Buffalo is their mascot and the source of their team's name. I would expect BC to know better. CU Boulder being the alma mater of one former UFC fighter and current stand-up comedian, Brendan Schaub. I think there's going to be a Brendan Schaub reference on this show every single time you're on it. I didn't Whether make it's it. Dead, I know you didn't make it. I know you didn't make it. But Kevin, it, it, I accept you're 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 dead wrong. If I said at Buffalo, yeah, yeah, I probably said it. I'm an asshole. Okay, but shout out to Phil McKagan, just the same. Okay, yes. shout out, shouts to Coach Phil. He's out there doing big things. Do you think Coach Phil, uh, like, lumbered around pipe at, at the University of Maine, Luke? I mean, they don't they don't know athletes like him up up in that state. The women, yeah. they don't, you know, they weren't prepared for that. You know, he's probably he was definitely a plumber. You know what I'm saying? Up in his time there. <laughs> All right, uh, this is from Kay and Michael on Monday's episode 316 at one hour and eight minutes. BC says he told Luke in 2018 on the MMA beat that Woodley would KO Till as an example of when he predicted something right. Classic BC, when he's trying too hard to, to be right, he is also dead wrong. Woodley uh -oh. did drop Till, but it was the submission with the Darce when he got right. his back... He got his black belt after that fight. Woodley did the that was the last time Woodley was on the Thomas, top of the mountain. Yeah. Or I mean, he did did he beat Demi and Maya after that? But that that was the last like badass uh, performance there. Yeah, I'll take that out. You're right. It was a submission. I not only said that would happen on that one episode, Luke. I said TJ's going to knock out Cody a second time. And you're like, we'll have to see. <laughs> we'll see, BC. You know, I, I'm not as clairvoyant as you. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's that you're gonna go with that, yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna let the dust settle. Okay, let's get back to our regularly scheduled programming. This is from Julio with a G, Luke. He's from Montreal. He's a French Canadian piece of shit like me. All right, greetings, All right. Dad Bods. On Tuesday's episode of Extra Credit, Luke declared that Brian Kelleher 
is the only fighter who's ever been on the MMA beat no, panel. No, that's not true. Jesus, it was Elaine Malay McFarlane. Yeah, <clears> I forgot. My question to you, Luke, is what does Hawaii got to do to get some respect around these parts? Former Bellator flyweight queen, Alima Lay McFarlane, was once a beat panelist and a good one at that. That episode was also the first time there were two women on the MMA beat panel. Make sure to keep jeweling, <laughs> you old piece of shit. <laughs> he means your jewel stick, Luke, you turtle. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Dude, it's All so right. easy to make fun of people who vape. Even I realize that. Yeah, uh, yeah, so apologies, yes, I forgot about Lane <clears throat> McFarlane. I have tried to bury those memories, and as a consequence, uh, I have forgotten some important details. Yes. Yeah. What? 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 You know, as much as I want to uh, make myself the A team, Luke, I was just a a little sprinkle on top of that ice cream, uh, and I also was there as the ship <laughs> went into the ground. Uh, but we did resurrect. We did pivot nicely. Uh, Luke, yeah. what is the A team in your mind? What What is the four best that we're the, ever together? At well, it's not even the four best. It was that we had a we called ourselves the A team during this run, so it kind of is a thing, like uh, identifiably. It was Ariel, me. Chuck and uh, Jeff Wagenheim. That was the original A team, um, and we had called ourselves that un unfairly, perhaps, but we did. And uh, yeah, that, I mean, there were some fun times. I mean, maybe please don't misunderstand me, but by the time I was ready to, to your words, make a pivot, I was ready to, uh, you know, forget a lot of things. So. Yeah, thank you. Also, uh, Mike Chiapetta, Connecticut's own, was on the first episode along with you and Ariel of the MMA beat. That's right. It was actually just us three. It was just yeah. us three. Yes. I have to not, it, look. It's 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 part of our origin story, Luke. Okay, you and I. It is. Know? No, no. Don't get me wrong. There was many, many good times. Many, many good times. I mean, it was really nice of Ariel to never ask me one time in the first 199 episodes of that show, Luke. <laughs> Take it up with him, bro. Take it up with him. <laughs> no, I wasn't covering MMA for most of that. All right, I was behind the scenes, Luke, as an editor. Nobody cares about you when you're an editor. Uh, this is from Mike, dear Luke and BC. Just thought I'd let you know that BC was dead wrong. And an hour and 28 seconds of Saturday's instant reaction show, when he said that Alex Padeda has had three challenges, referring to three UFC fights, and that he passed all of them via stoppage. This is not true. Despite badly wobbling Bruno Silva in round three of their fight, Padeda did not get the KO. Silva survived. Unanimous decision. Luke, start screwing up more. I'm sick of dead wronging BC. It's sincerely, it's Mike. Okay, okay, Mike. You're, so, so you got me. You know, did you did you do the Izzy homework and go back and watch the first two fights? No, not yet. I'm waiting for them to fight each other first, Luke. They, you know, I gotta get, they, get they, to that. It turns build. out they have. It turns out they have. What I you and that. I should do is rewatch them together on like an MK thing. I love that idea. I yeah. love that idea. That's a great idea, BC. Got, you should do that. I got that. a lot of them, Luke. You know, part of this show's you know fabric is my my prints, my my toe prints. So, is that, so, is, so after this show, are you going to go and uh, if you want to see Luke and BC relive the action between Izzy and Pereira one and two? Meet us on the MK Only Pipes account, where you can see <laughs> that and much more. Dude, MK Only Pipes would be lit, dude. That would be wow, wow. Yeah, dude, it would just it would just be Phil doing all the weird things Phil does. You know what I'm Yo, saying? Oh, filthy Phil would be great on that site. I'd never watch any of his content though; it'd be so gross. Okay, uh, this one's from uh, Faison. Afternoon from England, donks. I expect it more from BC. But both of you low-T zeros have displayed your lack of geographic knowledge in previous weeks. With deficient yeah. knowledge of Wales, Scotland, Azerbaijan, Uzbekistan, etc. Some, some of that wasn't geography. It was flag-associated content. But yes, it's in general a fair criticism. 
But at 1426 of the John Jones High Court episode, BC says that Habib beat Dustin in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> well, BC, I know you think that all countries in that region are the same, so whatever. But the fight was in Fight Island Abu Dhabi, which is in the UAE. You foggy-brained, eminent liver-failing, having buffoon. Uh, love you guys, though. Keep up the good work. Literal day one fan. It's Fazan from Wilmslow, England, current residents of my town being Tyson Fury and Cristiano Ronaldo. Wow, wow. Luke. Wow. Wow. Shout out to Fazan. I bet Fizan, he doesn't live though. as nicely as either, though. You know what no, I'm saying? no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Um, yeah, Luke, I, I did butcher that. But, you know, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't really all that with it when we filmed that episode, to tell you the truth. I'm told I've okay. been to Saudi Arabia as a kid, but I must have been, like, less than two because I have no memories of it. So. Did you go for a golf tournament uh, co co-hosted by Phil Mickelson as he just puts all that blood money in his armpit, Luke? No, no. My dad yeah. had a, I wouldn't call it, I don't know if it's even noble is the word anymore, but uh, my dad was working for the State Department at the time, so. <laughs> working with his pipe, probably, Luke, to bring water to the to the fine folks of Saudi Arabia. Yes, thank you. All right. Uh, wow, that's a hard no-sell. Come on. I love Robert Are they Thomas. thirsty? Oh, because it's like desert there? Is that what you're saying? I mean, I'm not saying that I, 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 I'm not saying I always get you off the right exit, but I do get you. I do, you know, yeah, okay. Uh, finally, Luke, you know Telvin Kipapa, right? Our, our fan from Hawaii? Yes. He says, aloha, guys. On episode 319 at 109, into the video, you guys said Kimbo Slice versus Seth Petrozelli was an Elite XC event on Showtime, but it was actually an event on CBS, which led to the promotion folding. Oh, my God, folding. I forgot about that. It actually Jesus. was the, the end. It was the end of the end, yeah. Yes, it all was the, good, the, 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 tent, the tent flaps came up after that, yeah. Uh, all good. P.S. Luke, keep drinking the way you be drinking could lead you to becoming governor of Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all have a good one. Aloha. Thank Dude, that you, whole, Oh, my God. That, first of all, it's a great zing, but I got to tell you, that whole thing about him running for governor is just... I find it yeah. mostly depressing, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Uh, morningcombat at gmail.com. We'll get you. Fan subs on Wednesday. Dead wrong. I will say one thing about these dead wrongs that people fail to appreciate, that we have to feel it because we obviously we say stupid shit and then people call us out on it. Our audience is very international, and so we can't get away. I mean, we still are, but we can't, I'll say this, we can't fully get away with being some ignorant Americans who can just say whatever they want, and it's like, you know, oh, uh, you know, whenever I go to a place, I expect them to speak English and all that bullshit. We, they, our audience won't let us do that. Yeah. It's a worldly audience, and they, they, they take us to task. But even though I respect our worldly audience, if I go to your place and your toilet is a hole in the floor, I'm not going to have good things to say about your place, Luke. You know what? I, I would like to say that's unfair, but I have traveled to these places and I have also found that unpleasant. And so I'm going to I'm going to co-sign on that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I mean, can you put a, a seat on it at least or uh, something? Dude, I mean, come I on. I told you. I told you in the middle of fucking Istanbul, this guy was charging one lira to tear pages out of a phone book to go wipe your <laughs> rear end. And I was like, no, don't get me wrong. Like there was a lot of like most places in Istanbul yeah. are not like this, but like in the old quarter where the you know, places have been around for centuries or whatever, like in the new places like Besiktas and whatever, it was fine. But in some of the old quarters, bro, nope, nope, not going to say nice things about that. Nope, nope sorry, sorry, not going to do that. If you want me to visit your country, do a live MK in your city. If we do WWF in your house, MK style, you better not have just a hole in it's, the floor. Istanbul is cool, though. It's cool. Istanbul is cool. All right. 
All right. I, I had another good joke cooking, but I, I think I lost it. Look, it's not. Was it Constantinople? You were doing Echo and the Bunny Man or some shit? <laughs> uh, no, no, it wasn't. I forgot what we were even talking about, Luke. But uh, I think it's time to wrap this shit up anyway. Here's a nice reminder, though. Morningcombat.store right now through Monday, 20% off. Yes. Everything, okay? We want you, if you've been holding out, saying, oh, I want to support these guys, but I don't know. Now's your time. We got international flat rate shipping. We got a lot of good stuff going on. Tell tell RJ that we sent you directly. Morningcombat.store. Get your 20%. Look good. The summer, the winter, whatever you're into, okay? We got winter. We got all that shit. So uh, check that out. You know about Showtime.com. You know Championship Boxing is back, 9 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Bellator will be lingering right around the corner from that. And you can only get it by going to Showtime.com for your 30 days for free right now. It's the easiest (laughs) way to get it is really what I'm saying. You want it for free? Try it out. Take a test drive, okay? You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to abstain until marriage. Take the test drive and bang Showtime. And if you're not going to pound sand at the end, you're probably going to get off and like it. You know what I mean, Luke? There's a lot of statements you're making there, and I couldn't follow half of them. <laughs> okay, there you go. Follow me to unemployment. My name is BC. Uh, thank you. Uh, anything else, Luke? You got anything else for the? Uh, I'm going to do my live chat. I didn't do it yesterday because I was tired as balls, but I'm feeling a lot better today. So today at 3 p.m., 3 p.m. East Coast time, so in about two hours, I am going to do my live chat. You can check that out, youtube.com slash Luke Thomas. Uh, make sure to bring your rubles and lira for that super chat, Luke. That can get you right to the front of the line. You're you're so bitter about that. I'm still paying off that office disaster that I have to do. So they're very critical to that. Believe me, Luke. In hindsight, what went wrong with the office? the 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 idea to get a everything about the concept of it was correct. It was the execution and the lack of because they, they, when you tour these places, you don't you don't get. To, we didn't tour it with equipment, and I just wasn't thinking straight. It would just need a lot of sound treatment that would be too difficult to do for the amount of effort that would go into it. Also, like, um, I'm going to, like, my wife's brother-in-law was living with us, but now he's moving to Miami. He actually bought a place down there. So now I'm going to have downstairs, uh, like, the whole area down there, which is fully carpeted, by the way, which is great for sound. Like, it just doesn't, that, that money, if I had it to go to an office where I could sound treat it properly, it would make a lot of sense. But it doesn't make sense for it in the current condition. So, right idea, bad. As we say in the Marine Corps, um, good initiative, bad judgment. So, yeah, there you Semper go. Fi, never die. Uh, it goes without saying that Uncle Pepe broke in that basement once or twice, Luke. What? Uh, Pepe, basement, libido. You can do the math. I think you're just making a dumb joke. Can we go? Can we go? That guy, I mean, mean, talk about only, but all right. Sorry, Luke, that'll be it. Luke, did you ever use a bidet? That's what I was going to ask you earlier. I had a whole bit. Have I ever used one in my life? Yes. Yes. Did you like it? Takes some getting used to. Takes some getting used to. (laughs) Yeah, so does a prostate exam, Luke. All right, there we go. Let me just say this. Um, You you see, you're, you're not thinking of the middle ground. There are countries I've been to where you do actually have a real commode to sit on and you use paper, but the paper doesn't go in the toilet. It goes in the trash even after you use it. Even uh, that is pretty trifling, I got to say. That's oh trifling. Oh, my God. This, this is... Wow. All right. Uh, that's it for our show this week. Uh, enjoy the fights this weekend. Uh, Luke, I got some time issues next week. I'm not sure what next week's going to look like, but I'll, yeah. if, if, you wanna, if you want me, I'll be there, all right? We'll figure something out. 
Yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll make, we'll make magic happen. Uh, if you want to see us on the road live, a, a way to maybe make that happen, vote for us. Podcast awards called the People's Choice Podcast uh, group there, Luke. If we can, can we put that thing on one more time? Jesus, can we end the show for Best fuck's male sake? Best male-hosted show. Best sports podcast. Can we put that lower, that thing with the, uh, um, all right, we don't have a lower for that. Okay, uh, check it out on our YouTube uh, description, top of the sentence. You click on that, you vote for it. Luke, I don't, I, dude, you think I want to end this show properly, Luke? Why don't we just go? All right, for uh, Long Island Luke and Gaff on the ones and twos, that's Luke Thomas right there. I'm Brian Campbell. May all of your ex-lovers stay satisfied.